you're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Ha! Got him! That should keep the first order off our backs. Nice work, Paul. Tim, are we set to make the jump? Yep. The end of the prime in accordance with the rendezvous are set. All right. Strap in and let's get this intel delivered to the resistance. Punch it! You're listening to Star Wars. The saga continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery, Tim Jirasi, and Paul Herman, are scouring the holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed. So we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Hey there, Star Wars fans. Welcome back to another episode of Star Wars The Saga Continues. We finally have the whole gang back together to talk about Star Wars Vision Season 2. Um, and there's a lot of stuff, uh, Star Wars stuff going on. It's also the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi today. Um, but we're talking all about Vision Season 2 on this episode because we haven't had a chance to review it yet. And uh, as always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I'm rejoined by both of my co-hosts, Tim and Paul. How's it going, guys? It's going good. As you said, great to have the whole band back together again for this episode and just moving right along into another bit of new Star Wars content we got, which has just been awesome this year. I mean, rolling in from Mandalorian to Jedi Survivor to Star Wars Visions Volume 2. I mean, it's just great with all the stuff we're getting. Man... It feels good to be back. I'm so sorry for missing out the last couple of weeks, guys. And for YouTube, basically. But for everyone else, I'm sorry as well if you missed me. If you didn't, oh well. Um, so <laughs> it, the thing is, you're, when you're moving houses and you're preparing all that stuff and you have a toddler, life is insanity. I'll just say that. And plus, you're doing 40-hour work weeks. It's just crazy. And plus... I, I'm still like barely play. I mean, I'm playing Jedi Survivor, but I'm just taking my sweet little time on it. So, didn't, didn't things weren't lining up for us to do a shows. But I, I just I want everyone to know, especially you two, obviously, that it sucks not being on the show. I hate not being on it, and I don't want to be gone for that long again. And so, I'm really glad to be back. Um, I got, Jedi Survivor, I think, is already a masterpiece, and I've barely played it. I finally found out who the villain was. So that was cool. Um, and I'm all about it. So, um, you yeah. the big so twist I, I, that happens? With- well, is it a twist? I No, you're talking about Dagon, right? Yeah, Dagon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. When you wake him up in the chamber and stuff. Yeah, that was great. That was great. Yeah. So I, I, just, I just literally literally woke him up. And so um, so as you can tell, I'm, I'm very, very slow. Um, but I think it's a great game. It looks incredible. I'm intrigued by it. I just don't have time to play it, which sucks, which kind of leads into like this whole show, um, basically with the, with visions. I finished visions finally last night. And for those who know, you know, know me and Tim and you and Kyle, you guys know me. Like when I, when, start, when something Star Wars comes out, I consume it, you know, pretty somewhat, you know, ravish, ravishly, ravishly. Okay. I can't even say the word. <laughs> Someone say it for me, please. Yeah. Ravenously. Uh, ravenously. Thank you. I can't talk. Um, so the crazy thing is, is that with this, even more so, I'm like, I can't even, I, I I just, it's crazy. I haven't had a chance to do it. 
you know, it reminds me when um, the Hobbit, the first Hobbit movie came out and I usually would see things opening weekend. I had ironically moved um, at my first house um, 10 years ago with that movie. And I didn't see that for like a couple weeks afterwards. And it felt wrong. And it kind of felt wrong. I hadn't really sat down and really devoured visions, but I just couldn't sit down and really give it some, you know, the dude, the time I wanted to. So I'm excited to be back. Um, well, I mean, that's fine because that's kind of a good problem to have right now with there being so much Star Wars content. And obviously, I mean, you've got a valid excuse too with moving and having a kid and all that kind of stuff. But also I know that with you having a toddler, like you've watched um, the Young Jedi Adventures and you just haven't oh, gotten yes. around to Visions yet. I still haven't watched Young Jedi Adventures yet, being perfectly honest. I still, you know, like I'm going to watch it. I want to check it out. It looks fun, but I've been too busy. Like I've watched all of the season two of visions twice. Now um, I've put close to 60 hours into Jedi survivor. Cause I finished the story and now I'm trying to get a hundred percent completion on the game, which I'm getting close to, but this game is massive. Um, and then I've also been rewatching rebels uh, and watching it with my wife, Allison, cause she hasn't seen it yet. And so I'm trying to get her caught up before Ahsoka starts. And so it's like, there's a ton of Star Wars stuff to focus on right now. And, you know, doesn't, you know, it's it's not surprising if for some people something's going to fall by the wayside. So I'm just glad you were able to finish Visions before we had to jump on here and talk about it. Yeah. And and, and going into Young Adventures, I, I have, I said this on the Star Wars Newsnet live show the other day, and I'll, I'll repeat it here because I don't think you guys heard it. And I'm curious what you guys will think, because um, for those who are wondering or think that Young Adventures is, is it looks kind of kitty or whatever, it obviously is. It's meant for young kids. Um, as, as someone who has a young child now, I had the benefit of having it through her eyes, and that's that definitely helps. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie here, okay? Um, but if you're familiar, if you have young kids and you've seen some of the programming on Disney Plus, it's no different than like you know, Pup Pup Puppy Dogs. Um, uh, puppy dog pals or it's called i call it, I, I've seen the song basically sorry puppy dog puppy dog pals um it really emulates spider-man and his amazing friends there's another show it emulates there's a couple like shows that they're all like kind of carving copies of and that's and it's fun and i like spider-man and his amazing friends is too that's a lot it's a fun show but it's very it's very specific like, like you know for you know whatever what it what its thing is the one thing about Jedi Adventures that I was really impressed with is that there is an element of lore in the, in the show that is not as missing than all the other shows out there that are for, like in that same kind of feel. That's the kind of same kind of animation and kind of kind of thing where it's like half half uh, episodes or one episode's like two stories and. I got to tell you, like they are, you know, it's not like, you know, massive lore drops, but Young Adventures is giving us a legitimate, like, you know, a reason to watch it in the first place, to be quite honest. Like they're going to different planets. Hmm. These are all planets. Now they're going to be in different sections. They have um, Greaves uh, species as one of like a, a side character, um, you know, different new species, new animals, new creatures, and even the Jedi ways and things like that. Like, this is all canon, right? And to an extent. So it's all like, so it's actually informing us of Star Wars while being meant for young kids. It is kind of interesting. Um, it's, I mean, I'm not saying it's heavy, but it's there. And I was kind of impressed, like, man, like they, they've done a good job of making different places, different elements, um, you know, just th different things like that. And I'm like, man, like 
this is pretty interesting. It definitely, I think there is an element for people who don't like you guys who don't have kids yet to, to go through it, watch it and not like be like, this is complete dog crap. I don't want to watch this anymore. And I, here's my hot take because I think it's a legitimately like solid show. It's, it's not like amazing, but it's a solid, it's a solid show. I think, you know, I think if you're a Star Wars fan, I think you even get some out of it. Even if, even if you don't have kids, but here's my hot take. I would 100% watch this over Star Wars Resistance any day of the week. <laughs> I kind of had a feeling you were going to say that. And I'm like, I obviously, I can't agree or disagree with you because I haven't watched it yet. But I'm not surprised because I feel like, you know, I, I think all the animated shows try to kind of strike that balance between like, being accessible to kids while also being accessible to older Star Wars fans. And I think like obviously Clone Wars and Rebels struck that balance really well. I think Resistance just kind of missed the mark a little bit. Um, and then, you know, obviously like Young Jedi Adventures is kind of in its own thing where like it's like out of the four of those shows, it's the one that is the most targeted at just young kids. It knows and what it is. That's, exactly that's the, that's exactly and right. so it's yeah. kind of critic proof from you know like older exactly. fans like you're gonna complain about the writing or the acting or whatever it's like it's not for you and resistance wasn't either but i think resistance tried to be just a little bit more serious to where you yes. could criticize it um that's a great point that's a great whereas, that's a great thing to say whereas this is just like i said it's it's critic proof like if you're complaining about a show that's you know made for four-year-olds it's like get a life find something you know to watch that's targeted more at you. Um, but also it's cool to hear that they do have some, you know, not deep lore, but like, you know, nuggets of, of things in there for older Star Wars fans to enjoy as well. So, and I mean, just again, just from the, like I've watched most of the little, the character shorts that they put out. Yeah. Um, and the trailers and stuff. I just haven't gotten around to watching the full episodes yet, but like, it looks fun. Like I'm excited to watch it. Um, yeah. I would say if you like, if you watch the shorts, which if you know, that's a great kind of testing. If you're like not into the shorts, you're not going to like the show, but if you like enjoy the shorts to an extent, like, yeah, this is like fun, like, you know, cute little like lighthearted stuff. You'll definitely enjoy the the series because like the, the main bad guy, like totally gives me Lord helmet feel Kyle. Like, totally. <laughs> like he, oh, I, 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 I don't see how they don't write. They didn't think of Lord helmet in that seat in in that character for but like he pals around with a cool looking droid and a gamorian guard like kid like it's just it's really fun like and like i don't know like i've been really imp i was really impressed with like it's in my, and again maybe i'm being biased because i love star wars but it, as a, someone who loves marvel and star wars as like equals i definitely would rather watch young adventures than spider and amazing friends but spider-man and amazing friends is very very on the nose whereas i feel like star wars um young, young jedi adventures is this kind of more of like i don't know it kind of i want to take itself more seriously but it just kind of has a little more of like a mess i don't want to say serious it just it just feels different just, yeah like it, like it, for it, a kid like it takes itself more seriously That's yeah and just it takes itself more seriously yeah and like not not too seriously but like for a kid's show it's just got a little more meat to it that like the older fans can enjoy as well yeah, um, yeah, no, is, it, is what it, it yeah. sounds like from what you're saying. Obviously, like I said, I no. I haven't seen it yet, but um, go, but yeah, go it, check it out. If, yeah, go check it out. You'll 
just on a, on a, on a, on a boring, like nothing else better to do. It's definitely worth wasting a couple, you know, an hour of watching a couple episodes and having fun watching it. I mean, and just for, you know, for nubs alone is yeah. like the reason to watch <laughs> nubs is incredible. And, and big thank you to Tim for sending my daughter a nub stuffed animal. My daughter loves nubs. And like today we, we literally got it today and she lost her mind. It was so excited for, for um, Nubs. So that's awesome. My pleasure. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. Thank you very much. So yeah, super excited to be back, but yeah, Young Jedi Adventures, definitely in my opinion, way better to watch than Star Wars Resistance. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, that was kind of a, a good little segue to open the show with because that also came out on May 4th along with season two of Visions. So even though Tim and I haven't watched it yet, we kind of get to talk about that a little bit and cover all the May 4th stuff uh, finally here on May 25th as we're recording this. But, um, uh, you know, we had to, to talk about Jedi Survivor and all that other stuff, too. So like I said, good problem to have right now with just so much Star Wars content. Um and, uh, you know, we've got Ahsoka right around the corner as well. And I'm already starting to hear, you know, some more rumors and rumblings and stuff about yeah, that. And I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure they're probably, I'm sure it probably won't be too long until we get another trailer too. Um, you know, with the show coming out in August, like obviously we're, we're about to be in June. And actually my prediction, because the NBA playoffs are on right now, I bet you anything will get, a a new trailer drop during the nba finals um because i think those are always on abc and that's owned by disney and you know they like to drop trailers for this stuff during sporting events so um yeah i hopefully we'll we'll get that sooner than later um also just you know speaking of ahsoka you know r.i.p to ray stevenson who sadly passed away this week and of course is playing one of the characters in that show so um, you know, that was a bummer to hear uh, earlier this week that he's passed away. But, um, you know, looking forward to seeing his performance in Ahsoka. I'm glad at least he got to finish his work on it. And uh, hopefully that'll be something great to remember him by because it certainly looks like he's going to be playing a cool character. Um, but with that said, let's go ahead and jump into season two of Star Wars Visions. Um, and we'll kind of just go through like we, I think we did this for last season too. We'll just go through episode by episode, talk about each episode for a few minutes. And then, uh, at the end, you know, we can kind of, um, maybe rank our favorites or something, not necessarily all the way through, but, you know, just talk about which ones were our favorites and stuff. Um, and then of course get some comments from some of the listeners as well. I know we, uh, you know, we asked you guys on Twitter, what you thought of the season as well. So. Um, let's go ahead and jump into it and start with uh, the first episode, Sith, which I'll tell you what, this was the one, I think out of all of them, this was the one I was most excited for from the trailer and just the little glimpses of stuff that we had seen ahead of time. Um, and this is the one that was uh, directed by uh, Rodrigo Blas from uh, the studio El Guiri from Spain. Um, and it's, you know, this one's got kind of like the um, the 3D CG models with like the painted looking textures and this was like it's just very artistic with the colors and the brush strokes and everything just looks fantastic um and i'll say like they came out swinging right out the gate like this was the this is one that i was really looking forward to and it delivered right off the bat um and just was jaw dropping with just the sort of the artistic creativity of it and um the I don't know, just all the stuff they were doing with the animation and the color palettes and stuff and the way that during this lightsaber duel it would change from like really dark to suddenly like really stark white and then start populating with all these colors and stuff and 
the way even that the main character who's like a former Sith apprentice who now is trying to leave that life and, you know, kind of go off and be the master of her own destiny. Um, I think they kind of do a cool thing where it's like she, like her interpretation of the force is kind of like through art. And it kind of reminded me of how like in, in light of the Jedi and some of the high Republic stuff, yeah. how all the different Jedi sort of like perceive the force mm -hmm. differently as like, Oh, it's like a wave or it's like, you know, energy or it's like being underwater or whatever. Like they, music, they just all have, yeah. yeah, their music. It's like, they all have kind of different ways that they connect to it. And through her, with her, it's through, art and color <clears throat> and color and, and stuff. And so the way they portrayed all of that was just really cool. It was a cool story and just visually stunning and uh, just a really cool one to start off with. Yeah. Like you said, they kicked off volume two with a bang, both with a story and just the art style. It's got, at least for the two seasons that we've got so far, I think both first episodes really bring something unique to the art style. I mean, with the duel, you had like the black and white, uh, animation mixing with some colors on the lightsabers ignited it and this one just kind of took that art an art style so unique and different to another level like you said it was just great to see on full especially when we got to that lightsaber duel and just the story in general too even in the short runtime it had i just thought it was something really different and cool to see about a former sith apprentice who turned away from the ways of the sith and the dark side just kind of trying to live um, a peaceful life on her own and doing what she loves and creating art um, through the force, like you said. And it was just kind of cool to see that for a Sith apprentice because any time there's a Sith, they usually don't get happy endings or uh, forms of redemption. And when they do, it's when they kind of have to sacrifice themselves, uh, especially in the case of Darth Vader, obviously. But um, for to see a Sith apprentice kind of go on her own and try to have this peaceful life and move away from it, um, was just kind of cool and to see and different to see and just how that would go for a Sith Padawan. You know, it probably wouldn't last forever as it does it here as her master comes uh, to face her. So I just loved how it all played out. And, and again, just amongst that just visually stunning art style uh, that we got for it. Uh, this was definitely one of the highlights of volume two and just a great way to kick off this season and just doing something really truly unique and different that we've never seen before and telling this kind of star wars uh, story so yeah i love this one you know one of the things about visions that i liked about it was just seeing a fresh perspective right like there's mm -hmm. that's really really cool and one of the things about this season that i liked was it felt more in line with the regular star wars universe was with with, with with just a slight um, uh, hint and tint of like um, maybe not connected, but it, it still felt enough. I think all of these, to be honest, felt like that. Whereas some of them in the first season didn't always feel that way, especially with the first one with the Ronin episode, which I like that. I like that episode fine. It's entertaining, but I'll be honest. I think it's easily and this is like another hot take for you all. I think that Ronin episode is kind of the most overrated of them all, to be quite honest, because I think it's not even the best one of that series of the season. You know, oh, I'm definitely not. I mean, oh, right. I think we'd all agree. We'd rather see like a novel or comic for the ninth Jedi over. There. No, <laughs> hell yeah, dude. But, but I mean like even like the, 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 the bride episode, um, that was fantastic. Um, you know, like for the episode was called, yeah, but, the, the, um, the village bride, village bride 
And, you know, but I, I loved Visions overall. I thought, you know, I, you know, I, I thought it was a really cool series. So this is, but I liked the idea it was all, you know, um, uh, anime. And I heard there was, you know, different studios. I was kind of like, I don't know. It kind of ruins the feel of it right, a little bit, I thought. But after watching this, this, you know, I, I didn't watch this one first. I watched it second. That's a whole different story. Um, but I was amazed at how rad this looked. And I love the animation. And I was like so thankful because when I watched it, I'm like, yeah, this is, I'm all about this. And I thought I love the, I love the ideas because it felt, because everything felt like Star Wars to me for the most part in every episode. And we'll talk more about that later for each individual one, but this one, especially, but again, I think it's, it's not even that it, it, it felt like it was in universe, but it's slightly exaggerated enough to, you know, it wasn't that am I, am I making sense with that? Cause that's what it, that's the thing about that was really impressive was that almost every single one of these this season, especially with Sith, there's just an exaggeration a little bit of like the worlds and like the whatever, but it, everything felt and looked like Star Wars still. And it felt like it, this easily could be canon. And to be honest, I mostly, I'll say most, most of these I think should be canon in some way or capacity. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. I think if you look, if you look at like the Ronin episodes, probably a little too out there in its own little universe, but like this, this could be any time basically, um, you know, or you could just say before Skywalker's or whatever, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I think it's really interesting and cool. And I'm like, I love the, the, the Jedi dude, that Jedi or excuse me, that Sith looked phenomenal. He was designed amazing. His, his henchmen were amazing. His lightsaber is effing amazing. I mean, like it, this was, it really reminded me of like the DC animated films, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like the, we know that they're, they're, they had, they're, they're successful because they're on a budget and everything. But like, I gotta tell you, I feel like Star Wars is really missing out on doing these kinds of things, but like not just in visions, but like give us like the ninth Jedi or give us like yeah, the, <laughs> like the Sith, you know, or, or these other episodes we're going to talk about in the future. Like give us full length episodes, like full movies or like an hour long, like right. give us the whole, I mean, like give us a more even meatier story because I will say this seeing different studios handle Star Wars helps inform star wars even more going forward and i because I, I can immediately go man this looks so fresh and exciting to watch than than like you know i don't want to be star wars resistance but like there's some episodes you know a bad i love bad batch but there's it just it feels fresh and i do feel like they should invest in that even more so for the for the sake of the brand because as much as i love that clone wars and, and, and bad batch animation I love what they're doing here. And I think there's something to be said to, to really go down that path. So the Sith, I thought was phenomenal. I think the design work in this was incredible. Um, the, 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 themes and, and the art thing, this is, I liked it. It just was a little too, maybe a little tad over the top a little bit, but that all didn't matter when like she started facing that guy for, you know, that all that was incredible and looked, looked amazing. So I love this. I love, I love this all the way pretty much. And I thought it was a really good one. Yeah. I mean, and you know, I mean, to your point about like the, the art themes or whatever being kind of over the top, but like, this is the medium where you can play with stuff like that because like, and, and also with this being, you know, you're talking about it being Canon, like, if it was canon, it would be a little, that would be a little weird or maybe a little too much. But like, I like having these 
just sort of artistic cultural interpretations of Star Wars where you can do things that are a little outside the box and we don't have to worry about like, oh, how does this affect the rest of the universe or oh, is it canon or whatever? And you can kind of just enjoy these one-off stories. Um, and we'll talk about it more as we go, but I, I also really just loved like the diversity of different types of stories and just art styles and stuff that we got this season. Um, you know, I mean, I, like, I really liked season one as well, but I would say, I think I enjoyed, like, I would say I enjoyed season two more overall on the whole. Um, but really just, I mean, again, when you talk about like, just getting to see something new and fresh and exciting, like that's what it felt like every episode. Um, you know, even more so than the first season, because in the first season, I mean, no, no disrespect to any of the studios or anything, but just the fact that it was all Japanese anime, like just each going from episode to episode didn't feel as different as these ones where you're going from 3D animation to 2D animation to clay, claymation. And with each episode, you can feel a shift in like the visuals and the music and the accents of the characters that kind of tell you like which different region these episodes are from. So yeah, I loved all of this stuff. Um, let's jump into the next episode, which was uh, Screecher's Reach, um, which was directed by uh, Paul Young from Cartoon Saloon, um, which uh, I believe this was the one that was from Ireland. Um, this was also a, a really cool and unique one with, you know, like 2D animation that just, again, going from Sith to this, it looked completely different. Um, but I liked you know, the look of the world and the characters. There were some absolutely beautiful shots in here too. Like, especially the scene when the kids like steal the speeders and they're like going out across the landscape. And there's a shot where they're like, you know, under the, the stars and like, you know, you see planets off in the distance and stuff. And um, just some really beautiful animation in here too. Um, but like a cool story and a surprisingly sort of dark twist in the end where, you know, you have this young girl who's being forced to work in these labor camps and stuff and, you know, yearns for a better life and wants to break out kind of the, the typical uh, hero's journey, you know, Star Wars story that we're familiar with, with Luke or Ray or anybody else, you know, kind of starting off like longing for a better life, looking up to the stars. And she gets that opportunity and is, uh, you know, we find out later that, you know, she basically has been told by this this entity to go and, and kill this, um, you know, this spirit or whatever. It's essentially like and I've, I've heard this is, you know, heavily based on like the Irish, like actual Irish folk tales and stuff of banshees. Um, and they essentially did that. But like the banshees got a red lightsaber and it's like a Sith spirit or whatever. This is one of the ones that like if the if the banshee didn't have a lightsaber, like this one almost didn't really feel like a Star Wars story, but like that didn't bother me that much because like it just felt like a really good story. Like, you know, I, I was into the story. I was into the characters. Like the animation was beautiful and there was just enough touches there to be like, oh, I see how this is Star Wars inspired. But it's like, you know, you could tell they really took it and ran with it and made it their own. Um, but she defeats this this Banshee thing and then... Um, you know, this entity comes to her and it's like very interesting how this thing is all like white and gold, but has like red eyes and like shows up in this spaceship that, you know, again, is like gleaming with like white and gold, but has some kind of like darker red accents to it. Um, and this this entity seems very, you know, kind of seems benevolent, but also kind of has this like deep, ominous sounding voice. And it's just enough to tell you like th that something's not quite right here. Um, 
And I mean, it's kind of like almost a, a cautionary tale or like a, a reverse, you know, what if Luke Skywalker's story had ended up going wrong? You know, what if you have this young kid who yearns for adventure and a better life and like ends up unwittingly like selling their soul to the devil to do it kind of thing. Um, but it was really cool. I mean, this, this creature or whatever it is that, um, that takes her away at the end kind of reminded me of like one of the Mortis gods. Um, it kind of had that kind of vibe to it, but, um, you know, it's like, she's sad to leave her friends, but she says, she says something about like, or I think even one of her friends tells her, like, if you get the chance to, uh, to, you know, chase the, the better life that you've been wanting, then like take it and don't look back. And, uh, but it's like the very last shot is her on the ship. And then looking back, almost realizing like, Oh wait, I've made a mistake. Um, or I, I made the wrong choice or I, I did a bad thing. And then like just the door of the ship shuts and it cuts there. And it's just this sort of very dark, ominous ending. Um, but really like, I, I love the way they did it. It's just one of those ones that kind of sits with you and makes you think um, and to have, you know, that on top of, like I said, just, you know, another really cool story and, and great unique animation style and everything. There was just another one that uh, definitely left an impression. It was really good. This one was the one I, I watched the other day and I'm really thankful because my buddy, Michael, uh, who, uh, for those who don't, he's on a show for us a couple weeks ago for uh, power Rangers with Tim on the comic binge. And when it came out, I was really into the next episode we're going to talk about. That's the first one I watched, funny enough, um, the third episode. But uh, I was tweeting about it, you know, and it, Michael said, hey, heads up. Um, if you're watching Visions with Lulu, you may want to skip Screechers Reach. And I'm like, what? I'm like, OK, all right, whatever. And it kinda, I just kind of, OK, I guess, whatever. And then I, I kind of I forgot about it. And I saw some people talk about it, how messed up it was. And I'm like, okay, maybe I should like avoid that. Cause, cause even like the first Sith episode, which I watched with Lulu, um, she liked, she watched it again tonight. That's one of the reasons I was late tonight, guys. We were watching a few episodes of, um, <laughs> of Visions. Um, and, uh, she watched that and that's kind of, you know, not like scary, but it's kind of intense. And she didn't really, she's not really scared of that. Um, <laughs> I watched Creatures Reach and I'm eating like my ice cream and I'm just like, you know, it starts to get to like the freaking banshee Sith lady. And I'm like, god damn like this is right. kind of nuts like this is this is nuts and in the best way possible and you know i'll push back a little bit with you on that one kyle i, I know like you're not really saying this necessarily all the way but i actually thought it would be almost not cooler if she didn't have a lightsaber but i think it would have been fine if she didn't because i think of like the night sisters and you know they don't have you know uh lightsabers and they have like energy and, and mystic stuff like that and because i i actually thought they got the feel of star wars before that down pretty pretty pat you know mm -hmm. and, well no and uh, that's what i'm saying too like the the, okay. the feel and the tone of the story and everything definitely feels like it fits it was just there was nothing because i feel like most of the other episodes there's either lightsabers or kyber crystals or stormtroopers or tie fighters or something yeah. tangible that's like ties it to the star wars universe as we know it and this yeah. one didn't have that aside from the lightsaber and i think at the beginning they maybe briefly mentioned like working for the empire or something but like it was it was very brief and it certainly was not a complaint it was just something interesting that i took note of that i was like 
this is barely a Star Wars story, but it's still really cool and like feels enough like a Star Wars story that I still like it still feels like it fits as part of this. And, and that, yeah, and that, I think that's yeah, and I didn't think you were saying that, but I I could see, I see where you would say that, but I I honestly thought it would have been fine, but when she showed the lightsaber, I went oh sh- yeah, and then like I was really impressed, and then when that when that thing showed up at the very end, I went what the mother, and it's like <laughs> wow, and I've been dying to show my wife this, I just haven't been able to because Lou's around, I'm like eh, you know, and and there's no way in hell I'm, I'm showing her that because right now for the inside baseball my daughter has been a just a dream for sleeping um up until our move the move has really set her back and like messed her up and she's like does not like her room you know it's all typical stuff but like if i showed her that i would never sleep you know (laughs) i mean let's just be real so no i think screechers reach screechers reach sith um, to be honest, like I'm going to echo what you said too, man, because Creatures Reach kind of cemented it for me, to be honest. And I hadn't, at this point, hadn't even watched all of them, but I already had said season two is better than season one. And I think it's because of the, of the diversifying types of animation stories and cultures we're all getting. And it was really, really interesting. I love Creatures Reach. I think it's maybe one of the best. It might be the best behind Ninth Jedi. It might be. I don't know, but I love it a lot and i would love for that to be canon and i kind of talk i'm going to keep going back to this whole canon thing because like i said before i don't think that this transferred over transfers over directly to canon right but i think a form of that exists in canon and we've talked about that before in ending episodes too right tim like where we like we've talked about how like it's not maybe a one for one but like the essence of that story still happened. It's kind of like, yeah. Um, it's like the, it's like I talk about the Canon comics, right? When when the Bad Batch showed up with Canon, everyone's like, oh my god, mm. I can't believe. Like everything, in, everything like revolves in their own universe, you could say. But in every universe, it all ends up the same in the end. Just the de- always the details, maybe the fine details are different, but in the end, all of it will still be the same one way or another and that's all that really matters and that's what i'm saying like sith and especially this maybe not just you couldn't just transfer it right into canon directly but like those characters exist and those events happened just not like maybe that white palette thing that's you know you know all that whatever right or like the way the blades look are all curved like not that but that story of those characters and and like th- that whole thing in screechers reach they those that planet those characters that that all happens in some way like that and i think that's what i would love to see especially screechers reach oh my god um it'd be rad to kind of talk about those characters one day and flesh them out in the canon again i don't want like ronin i want alternate i'm so tired of alternate universes and as someone from like who loves no way home you know like you know, alternate universes are fine multiple universes or whatever but star wars for the most part should be like one distinct like overall canon and i like mm-hmm. it that way you know and for the Agreed. most part i mean i mean like little things like visions sure but don't go like let's do visions novels like no no let's just let's just how about this start making better novels and canon then we'll talk okay we'll just, <laughs> we'll just, we'll just go there so um but i i just i think scriptures reach is amazing um it might be my favorite of the season it might be i don't know it's definitely one of the best of the of the series so far in my opinion 
Yeah, I'm just going to go right out and say it. It is my favorite of this entire season. I absolutely love this one. I mean, just straight off, first talking about the animation style. I really like the Studio Cartoon Saloon. Um, They did a movie called Wolf Walkers, which I believe is like an exclusive just for Apple Plus TV. But I did see that, and that was a great movie, like one of the better animated movies to come out in the last few years. So the fact that their cool animation was transferred into a Star Wars toy was just awesome. So I loved seeing that animation style just right from the beginning. But, I mean, just what set it over the top for me is just, as you guys mentioned, that kind of flipping on its head that traditional hero's journey story into kind of an innocent young girl going on that journey, but yet doing it for the dark side and becoming almost a Sith apprentice. Now, I don't believe they actually said specifically said they were um, were Sith, but I just got that impression where it's like uh, that creature who comes in at the end was using it as a test, maybe to have her kill her former apprentice for who maybe just was just a loose cannon and wanted to use her as a uh, to test out a new apprentice to take out her old one. Um, and kind of and then building that legend on this planet of her being like the switch or the spirit um, that's haunting that mountain there, but just a great like adventure story going to that point. And I mean, you as it played out, you knew she was going to confront what she was seeking, but, but to have it really play out like this, like which creature like that you can barely make out in this dark cave and just the art and the animation style that sequence was just incredible. You're just getting flashes of what the creature looks like until the light shines out. And I like how too, where, um, she kind of discovers where she's force sensitive or pulling up at that open light there and pulling down some of the uh, rubble and the rocks there on the mountain uh, that takes out the witch and then eventually uses the, her own lightsaber uh, to kill her. But how she was hesitant to do it, where she just takes a long time to actually make that decision to kill um, that creature. But then, yeah, at the very end, I was kind of wondering man are they going to go that route is it something where like she's actually working for a sith or like just a dark side user in general but as you mentioned too when she makes that appearance that being how it does look like some very majestic and where it it could be you know there's like gold light shining down it could be someone from the jedi order but as you said kyle what you kind of saw like that she had like a red glow at like in her chest area and it means like hmm there's something's not, kind of sinister not right about this being and then you just get as she explains to her that yeah this is something that's probably she shouldn't be going with this being or this creature here because um, she's going to be trained in the ways of the dark side here not in the train in the ways of the light and as you mentioned Kyle how it was just so hard for her to go but yet she had that calling again that classic hero's journey you gotta leave your friends behind for a greater purpose and to fulfill your destiny, but to have it be for something that's going to be going down the dark side path. I just thought that was just a very clever way to tell this kind of story. And just as you, as what you said too, Paul, I would love to see the story continue on to see uh, what happens with this character. Does she fully become trained in the dark side and become a Sith or does she walk away from it or there's more conflict? So it just leaves you with some questions that you want to see answered and see the stories I would continue for these this character. So again, the story visually, everything looked great. This one really had that mystical fantasy element that we love so much in Star Wars. I think more so than any of the other uh, shorts that we got in this season. And it just all combined to this a really great um, twenty minute story here. I just loved everything about this, the animation style, uh, the characters, because in that short time, it did a great job of showing 
of this bond and friendship these four characters had and just how tough it was uh for the main character to leave her friends behind to uh, go with that being there and uh, it was just great all the way around just setting the stage up for that final moment um so yeah this one just blew me away and <laughs> kind of what you were uh, saying too paul like what because i did watch them in order just from these first two it's like man this season is a so far firing on all cylinders two great stories that are different and obviously animation wise look totally different but both delivering just on some great of star wars tales that we're getting here so but screechers reach just i think did something totally different that we never really saw before uh done uh, in a star wars setting i absolutely loved it all the can, way around can i can i as last thing i'll add before we move on to the next episode you probably the, the the thing about the four kids kind of they did a great job of like compressed time and that's the thing i think it's really interesting because i was just watching beauty and the beast um and there's a there's method of my madness here people but uh and i was amazed of how much they compress in a short amount of time like when bell and beast like finally like like look past each other whatever and like they kind of fall in love it's like literally like five seconds of montage and it's like <laughs> next thing next the next scene's like beast getting like dolled up and like you know being said i'll do anything for her and i'm just like that was fast um you know <laughs> so, but but again as a kid i'm like i love the movie and i still do but like you you accept that compression right that compressed time and these studios have like every like second is precious of, of exposition and you brought up the kids and the relationship they did a great job of showing this these four friends and it reminded me of like an 80s movie like well, the eighties mm-hmm. movies really got really brought home the idea of the coming of age story and how like you through the four people interactions you do that ensemble kind of feel right where you build up and you you have character development and explain exposition at the same time and you grow and you also grow like the their relationship your own relationship with them as well through that. Right. So it's doing like, like three things at once. And that's why on these, these, these character pieces or these uh, ensemble, like young kid coming of age pieces are so interesting. And I feel like they did a lot with the limited time they had. And I thought that's a great, I'm glad you brought that up because they do a lot. And the fact that they get across this whole, like coming of age, like these four friends, you know, they're tight. Like, and you accept it like like that is really impressive from the visual storytelling to the written storytelling what's on the page it's really impressive and i gotta say like that is probably maybe the unsung hero of this whole episode which i think the whole episode's great but that really probably cements it as in my opinion as being like oh yeah like this is why it's maybe the best of the series of the season maybe of the series because it does a great job and does like so many things at once in a really in a very organic way so yeah chef's kiss creatures reach yeah definitely it was uh yeah like you said just really good sort of tight condensed storytelling that still like, got across everything they needed to get across especially because you know one of the the big sort of emotional gut punches at the end of the episode is like her having to say goodbye to her friends um and at the beginning, you know, they're kind of like reluctant to come along. Like they don't at first, they don't seem like sort of necessarily a super tight knit group. Um, but by the end, like you definitely feel that that closeness and that connection and that loss, um, especially when you realize that she's making the wrong choice and is probably never going to see them again. So, um, 
Yeah, it, yeah was... it looks like they kind of realize that she's making the wrong choice too. Like the looks on their face, especially that little creature. Like she seems afraid of that being, and rightfully so. And just kind of knowing that uh, this this isn't a good idea for you to go. <laughs> so yeah, just even them talking about any life would be kind of better from where they're at now, working like the in those mines. But mm-hmm. just when they saw that being, just that eerie feeling that she, I think she cast everyone was looking at her. It was just great seeing that reaction on their face and then again seeing how tough it was for her to say goodbye to them but feeling that this really was her calling and just how like you really don't want her to go on that ship you're kind of just having the same emotion and expressions that her friends are saying like like no don't go on there just uh only pain you will find as <laughs> a quote you know, <laughs> like if she goes on there yeah um yeah no, it was great that was definitely uh one of the standout ones for sure um but then we move on to the next one in the stars uh which was from uh the studio punk robot in chile and uh directed by uh gabriel osorio um and this one i think was my favorite of the season this was another one that was just fantastic and a really just touching and you know sort of emotional and heartwarming story about these two sisters um, who are basically the last two survivors of their like indigenous indigenous people on this planet that's been taken over by the empire, um, and of course they're you know poisoning the planet and using the, the all the resources for you know their their factories and stuff. Um, but just again the the unique different like animation and art styles in this one. When I first watched it, I thought it was claymation. Um, but I guess what they actually did was like, they created, uh, like actual physical, um, you know, models of these characters and stuff, but then like scan them into the computer. And so they did it with 3d animation. Um, but just, you know, making everything look as physical and, and sort of tactile as possible. And then of course, using different like animation techniques with motion and frame rate and stuff to kind of emulate that, um, like that stop motion kind of look, um, but just you know, going from that to then um, some of the the sequences where you see like these the sisters telling uh, flashbacks or telling stories and seeing these flashbacks of like what happened to their people and their mother and stuff, and doing it in this like really cool like two D uh, sort of painted or like chalk drawing almost kind of way where you know the younger sister is sort of like sprays this paint on a rock and then you see it moving and you know sort of acting out these stories in 2d and i love that blend of like you know 3d and 2d animation or when you have like a a 3d animated project and then within it you incorporate some 2d animation to tell a a really cool story like that it almost reminds me because i also just watched this recently um the world between worlds and rebels where you have the um like that 2d painting of the mortis gods and the wolves and everything and the way that that moves and how Mm. it looks so different from the rest of the 3d animation i just love that juxtaposition in those different styles and stuff um but getting the whole tragic backstory of how the empire you know wiped out their village and killed their mom and their mom was this courageous leader who Uh, tried to rally the people to you know take their planet back and and fight back against the empire and the mom was force sensitive um and you know the the daughters or at least the youngest one believes that you know that both of them inherited that power from their mom too um and you have the younger sister i think her name's tachina and the older sister Kotin. um and of course the younger one is all sort of 
naive and idealistic and very like, yeah, we can beat the empire. We can stop them. And, you know, she's like, I'm old enough now. I'm strong enough. Like I want to fight with you. And the older sister is very reserved, very sort of closed off and obviously jaded by like the losses that they've suffered. And she's like, no, like, I'm just going to keep my head down. I'm going to like, they have to break into this Imperial factory to like steal clean water. Cause it's the only place they can get clean water. Cause the empire's poisoned the rest of it. And she's like, all I'm doing in is, or all I'm doing is sneaking in, stealing enough water for us to survive on and getting out. And like, no heroics, no fighting. Like, we're not going to win this. Like, she has, you know, no ambition. She's kind of just accepted their fate. Um, and so, of course, you know, the, the older sister goes in to steal the water. The younger sister, being sort of the precocious one, like sneaks in after her and gets caught. And the younger, or the older sister has to go and save the younger sister. Um, but the younger one, you know, gets caught by the empire and they go to, there's like this imperial commander lady that's, you know, tells the stormtroopers to like throw her off the, the cliff or whatever. Um, and the younger sister goes and runs after her and, uh, you know, has to save her. And of course, you know, the moment when the younger sister falls just out of her grasp and you think, you know, she's going to fall and the older sister has to kind of reach within herself and finally, find that power and, you know, uses the force to, to stop her and pull her back up. And then the two of them uh, are able to use the force together to collapse the factory. And, you know, they do together what their mom couldn't do on her own. Um, but gosh, just the way, like the way that the story plays out the, you know, just sort of the emotional story between these two sisters, um, their, you know, the tragic backstory and then everything that they're trying to overcome and the way that they finally, triumph together at the end and it's underscored by just an absolutely beautiful score like definitely my favorite soundtrack out of you know all the episodes this season and the music just underscores it perfectly like and I don't I don't usually get super emotional watching this kind of stuff but like I had a little lump in my throat you know getting to the finale here when like they you know they uh you know collapse the factory and then they make it out of the water at the end um and then, you know, just because also, you know, it's like in their their culture and their belief is that like when your ancestors die, they become the stars and they're watching over you. But because of all the imperial pollution and stuff, it's like the sky is all cloudy and foggy and like they can't see the stars anymore. Um, and so at the end, like they destroy the factory and the sky clears up and they can see the stars again. And they talk about their mom looking over them and stuff. And there's a moment where like you know, the, the rock lights up with like the handprints of all the people that have come before them. And, you know, the stars are shining bright again. And it's just an absolutely beautiful moment. Like I watched it with Allison again, like the second time I watched it and she was like bawling by the end of it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, just an absolutely like, you know, beautiful, touching, heartwarming story. And again, just a, a, another great example of like, short sweet simple like perfect execution of just a, a sort of short condensed story you know within like the 15 minutes or however long it is like you get the the plight of these sisters in this planet and everything you get their struggle and then you know they they get their challenges that they have to overcome and they get their triumphant moment at the end and then kind of the the beautiful emotional resolution of it um and then there's there's one one kind of twist with the ending that I want to talk about and kind of get you guys take on. But before we do that, like I'll just let you guys talk about your your overall thoughts of the episode. Um, but yeah, I I absolutely love this one. This one floored me, like because I think from from 
from looking at the um just from watching the trailers and stuff and seeing kind of the animation from this one just in little snippets like i wasn't sure if i was gonna like it or not um and then you know once it started i was like okay this is kind of cool or whatever but like i i was not expecting this one to be you know just so so beautiful and so emotional like it was by the end um it was definitely the the biggest pleasant surprise of the bunch for me well i I, to tell you really quick that i watched this one first and this is the one i watched right before we got on the show and lulu loves loves this one and i'm with you kyle like this one i think this is creatures reach i think i like creatures reach just a little bit maybe more just because i like i like the mythology kind of thing behind it you know um but this one was incredible and watching i'm so glad i watched it again because i I really wanted to give it another shot because i loved it the first time i watched it and you know there is it this again a really a great job of compressing storylines and doing a good job of that and just you know yeah i I thought it was really impressive the way they did it and like you said very emotional things that they're they're dealing with and the, the style was so incredible to look at i mean it's it was really really impressive of what they did and again going back to my whole like you know canon thing like it like it feels like that again it's like this is just a, an exaggerated tale of something that happened in canon it really does and and i love that and i think that i, I just, it feels very much like star wars and the score and i want to say this right now i think the scores for the most of the series most of the episodes were actually really good. Like, I mean, this one definitely was up there as well, but I was actually way more impressed with the music this time around than last time. Other, I don't, whatever reason the scores were much better in these, these episodes, but I thought this episode was definitely one, maybe one of the best, if not the best of the series um, of the season, maybe Um, it's really good. It's definitely, I think one of the top five of maybe this of the series. I don't know. It's, it's phenomenal. I think it's great. Um, yeah, I I think there's 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 just a, a very like I love the like the muted colors of everything, you know, and it feels very like even like the troopers look kind of muted, like the, like they're kind of off white, you know, a little bit. I just love that. It looks looked really 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 interesting and and just uh, a great story. Um, yeah, like I said, Lulu has seen this twice and she loves it. She loves this one, and I could see why. And it's it's a really great story, and I. I I wish I, I, I like I said I would love to see these characters show up in canon in a different maybe not exactly the same way in the show but to honor because it's such a great uh, episode to honor them and the, and the creators by making them canon so that's just my my take. Yeah, I mean I'm gonna have to echo what you guys just said. This was another great one. I mean, right off the bat, I mean three episodes into season two, they're just hitting him out of the park. This was another one where it had a really great story that you got invested in with some characters um and just i think filled with great moments too i, I liked how it started with um the younger sister kind of uh, just walking out like looking on the fields and seeing the glowing flowers and that tie fighter comes it again you guys said how great the animation art style was in this one but that moment too where the tie fighter was coming out i thought in particular looked really cool and she was trying to stop it on her on her own by using the force and you thought uh you know, is it going to be indicating pretty early that she's force sensitive? But then as you see it getting closer, you see that she's not really doing anything. But then her sister has to come 
and uh, save her. But just, you know, that determination and that belief she has that she is force sensitive was just um, great to see early off, right off the bat of this episode started. Then also, too, I got a comment on uh, the older sister and how cool her mask was that she wore in the mm -hmm. beginning of it. I really liked how it looked. Um, just another cool mask to add to the long list of cool helmets and masks in Star Wars. Uh, but yeah, and then just when they got to uh, the moment at the very end where she is, the younger sister is falling off. And I kind of liked how at first they were kind of switching things up because at the beginning of it, as I mentioned, you see she was trying to pull down the TIE fighter and that she didn't have the ability yet. But then I thought, oh, they're probably just going to save it for the end where, yes, she is force sensitive like her mother was because she had that strong belief um, that she could do it. But then it turns out that it's the older sister, the one who is trying to, uh, the, like the more cynical one, the one who's trying to keep out of the hair of the empire and stay hidden just to survive, that she actually is force sensitive and she's the one who's helping uh, her younger sister to survive. So I like that aspect how, oh, it's actually the older sister who is the one who's force sensitive. But then they had that moment where they both uh, start using the force to pull down like the pillars. And at first I thought, oh, it's kind of cool. Like the older sister, she's the one with the force, but her younger sister has that strong belief that um, she's force sensitive as well, or at least wants to help his sister out. Even though she maybe not have the force, she's still going to do her part um, to pull down the pillars and to take down the walker along with her sister. Uh, and if anything, just to give her older sister some uh, support and strength to do it herself. So I kind of thought that would be a cool thing to do just to show that strong belief that the younger sister had, even though she wasn't force sensitive. But I think it was pretty clear that she was using the force too, because there was a moment where they're like the two pipes or pillars on one side where each one is using the force. I think to signify that they're each pulling down one or blowing up one of those pipes. So, um, I mean, I guess you could kind of still look at it the way I did that. Maybe it's still just the older sister. Um, who's force sensitive, but either way, it's just a, it was a great bonding moment between the two of them to to de defeat the Empire on their planet and their big uh, facility that they had going there. So, yeah, another one that was just a great story um, with some great characters, and again, right off the bat, just really strong character development and showing the connection and bond that these two sisters had, and um, again, coming and really connecting through the force, which is a great aspect uh, to tell that story. So yeah, this was just another great one from its unique animation to just another touching story. Yeah, and I think I think the intent definitely was that they're both force sensitive because if you watch the sort of the, like I said, the kind of like painting aspect of it in the beginning where they're sort of showing the flashback and they're, you see the two girls with their mom and there's a moment where like, you see the mom using the force and then you see the younger sister trying to do it. She's like in the water, like lifting a shell or something. And like, it kind of moves a little bit. And then the older sister like pulls her away and is kind of like, you know, stop playing around or like, don't do that or whatever. And so I think it's kind of showing there that the younger sister does have like the potential. Maybe it's just not as strong in her mm -hmm. as her older sister, but I think, I mean, the way I kind of interpreted it was just that they both had their own hurdles to overcome with the younger sister sort of like she obviously believes in it and and is very like idealistic and has that faith. But just maybe being younger and more inexperienced, like she just hasn't quite grown into that power yet. And the older sister, like, has it more developed or maybe the force is stronger with her or whatever. But like she doesn't have the belief and she doesn't want to use it because of what happened to her mom. Um and so it's like they just have, you know, different 
different struggles that they have to overcome or different, you know, sort of they've got their own mental uh, roadblocks that they have to overcome to be able to sort of, you know, reach their potential. Um, but I also just kind of like that, that message that like, even though their mom was super strong in the force and you see her in the same position, like facing down the factory and the ATST comes out and she tries to take it down, but, uh, you know, she's not able to do it. Um, but that the two sisters together, you know, it's kind of like two is better than one. Um, you know, just the two of them together were able to accomplish, you know, what their mom wasn't able to do. Um, so yeah, I just thought, you know, I thought it was a, a really touching story, but the, the thing that I wanted to get you guys take on, because I've seen this in some of, you know, I've, I've watched some videos on it and read some other people's comments online and stuff. And one thing that, that people pointed out that I had noticed the first time, but hadn't really, um, interpreted it this way, but so basically, you know, you have the moment where they, they take down the factory and it floods, you know, all the clean water that the empire has been hoarding, you know, floods back out and it washes away the factory and everything. But obviously the sisters get swept away with it. And you have the older sister, you know, she, she grabs the younger sister and is like pulling her to the surface. And, you know, she's trying to, to swim up and break through and, you know, reaching towards the sunlight and everything. And then it just kind of fades to white and you don't see them make it out. But then, you know, the next shot obviously is them like sitting on, on the, uh, the bank of the land. Um, but then at the very end, when you see the, the stars up in the sky and they talk about their mom, you know, watching over them, and you see all these stars that kind of represent like all the people of their village and stuff. But there's like one bright star right in the center that, you know, is kind of supposed to be their mom. And the very last shot before the credits is that shot of the stars in the sky. And then two more stars appear right on either huh. side <laughs> of the mom's star. And I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, you know, but because, you know, I, I'd watch like, you know, people doing review videos of it or whatever, where they talked about how beautiful it was and how happy it was and everything. And the people in the comments would be like, no, but you missed the point. Like the sisters died at the end and it's actually sad. Um and you definitely can look at it that way. I don't know if it's necessarily meant to be explicit. I did watch the behind the scenes because they like they've got like a, a 10 minute behind the scenes featurette for each one of these on Disney Plus. Um, and I watched the one for this one and the like they didn't address that necessarily directly. But the director did mention something in it about like I, I wanted the sisters to survive at the end so that the story is hopeful or something like that. But he didn't specifically say like, Hey, when you see the two stars at the end, like it doesn't mean the sisters are dead or like, they don't like directly address it. But he did say like, you know, I, I kind of wanted the sister to live. Um, but I think there's different ways you can look at it. Cause I've seen some people saying that like, Oh, they actually drowned. And the last, you know, the last scene or whatever, just like, you know, didn't actually happen. It was just sort of like, a, I don't know, a, a metaphor or something. Um, but I've also seen people be like, oh, well, you know, they they did survive, but their stars go up at the end because like the Empire is going to come back and kill them. Like, as, because, you know, if you <laughs> just if you if you destroy an Imperial factory, like the Empire is not just going to let that go. Like they're just going to come back and wipe them out. And I'm like, that's obviously not the intent of the story at all. Um, but I also think you could definitely interpret it in more of a, a you know, lighthearted way that like. Either it's just saying that, um, you know, you like they're still alive now, but maybe one day, you know, they're like, obviously everyone dies and, you know, one day they will get to be reunited with their mom again. It's like, you know, they cleared up the sky and all the stars are shining through and one day they'll have their own stars up there too. 
Um, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the the way that I choose to look at it. Um, it's just it's sort of like just a representation of like them getting to be with their mom again. You could even say like, hey, maybe they got their own stars up there because they were the ones to like save the planet and kind of restore the balance and everything. I don't think it necessarily has to be a case of like, oh, they're dead now. Um, Cause I mean, to me that would not like ruin the story. I never looked at they were dead. Put, definitely kind of put a little bit of that. a damper on things, but yeah. I never yeah, thought they so, were dead. That's yeah, crazy. I I didn't even I didn't like I definitely didn't even notice that the first time I watched it. And then after seeing that pointed out, like I watched it again, I was like, okay, yeah, like it's definitely noticeable, but um I don't know. I think it's definitely something that's open to interpretation. I think if you know, if, if the very last shot is like, oh hey, these characters, you know, these young girls that you've become attached to, like, yeah, they succeeded in their mission, but then they actually died, like that would be a really, you know, kind of sad way to twist the knife right there at the end on what seemed like a happy ending. But I don't necessarily look at it like that. Yeah, I mean, I never really picked up on that the first time I watched it. Well, I should only say the only time because I only watched, was able to watch all these only once. But um, I never got that impression because it seemed to last pretty long, that ending sequence of them just being joyful about bringing down the empire. And then I'm, I'm actually, as you were mentioning that I kind of went through to see that sequence on the end, just because I didn't notice it. I did see what you were talking about, but looking how the, the scene plays out from when they come out or from that shot where you see them underwater, when the younger sister wakes up, she does like open her eyes and she does a, a cough. Like, yeah, she has been brought from underwater. So it's like, if they were dead and it was implied that they were like in this kind of spirit world or like a heavenly state before they join the stars. I think it would have been kind of a more surreal experience and not waking up and then coughing and just uh, coming out from something of almost of a near death experience. So um, I just think there's a lot of factors into it that don't really uh, point to where that theory is correct, where they're dead. And like you said, it just would really be a bummer of an ending, especially seeing their reaction and just that joy they have of seeing the stars, the flowers glow again. And then the stars, shine upon the, with the bright one being their mother so i'm mm -hmm. um, not sure what to make of those two stars shining at the very end i think if anything it's just that you know they've earned their place to be alongside uh, their mother once they do pass on um that for the brightest star and then they'll be the next brightest ones under there so yeah i didn't think for a second when i was watching it that they were dead and just going back and watching it real quick now real quickly right now i still don't think that's the case yeah, that's kind of how I see it too. And like I said, I mean, just the fact that the director said, you know, hey, I I wanted them to live so that the story is hopeful. I mean, that's good enough for yeah. me to be like, you know, that wasn't the intent was to be like, oh yeah, hey, by the way, they died. Um, and you're right, like there's nothing in that final scene that kind of alludes to like, oh, clues that this actually isn't real or something like that. Um, I think it was like, if you actually see like the physical presence of their mother or like a silhouette of her or something like that, like, yeah, I could kind of lead you to believe that, but there was nothing like that that happened. Yeah. Um, but no, overall, like, yeah, like I said, this was just an absolutely beautiful story. Um, you know, again, you know, one that was completely different in tone and feel from the first two and, you know, visually completely different, but, you know, just as, you know, beautiful and stunning in its own way, especially sort of the contrast between seeing like just how dark and, you know, sort of grimy and everything the planet is. And then at the end, once they defeat the empire and like 
the stars come out and the plants light up again and the, you know, those handprints lighting up on the rocks and, you know, everything becoming so much more sort of vibrant and colorful. And as all that is happening and then, you know, the way that the music swells and everything, just, you know, that final sequence was just, you know, how could you not get emotional over that? So, um, yeah, I absolutely love that one. Um, but then the next one after that was, uh, I am your mother from, uh, Ardman studios and directed by, uh, Magdalena Osinska. Um, and this was, um, this one I think was stop motion, or I don't know if this is also, I feel like every an animation nowadays incorporates like computer animated techniques. So I don't know how much they do just traditional, like physical stop motion anymore but obviously this is the studio that does like Wallace and Gromit so very much in line with that style of animation and this was like a fun cutesy one um with the story of see I remember all the the titles of the episodes and like what all these stories were about I'm reading off a list on starwars.com of like the studios and the directors and stuff I don't remember any of the characters uh the character names because they all you know for like each of these you know they've got all different characters and stuff but um yeah, so I, I don't remember the main character's name, but, it, you know, it's this young girl that's in, like, a piloting school and has, uh, you know, the cringy, embarrassing mom that I'm sure we can all relate to at some point. Um, but, uh, you know, she then there's, like, a family race day at school, and she doesn't want to tell her mom about it because she doesn't want to have to do it with her mom and have her mom embarrass her in front of all her friends and stuff. But then, like, her mom shows up anyway to bring her her lunch or something that she forgot and ends up showing up right in the middle of the race, and she's all embarrassed and it's like, Mom, go away. Mom's like, no, get in. Like, we're, you know, just, we're jumping in on this race. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's a fun little, uh, you know, racing adventure kind of thing. And, of course, you know, over the course of it, the mom and the daughter kind of bond and overcome their, their issues or whatever. And, um, you know, the, by the end of it, the mom's like, yeah, you know, I, I gotta embarrass you a little bit still. Cause you know, I am your mother, but you know, they, um, they come to appreciate each other a lot more and of course end up winning the race and beating the, uh, the other like mean girl and her mean mom. And, um, you know, all that stuff. of course, Wedge Antilles is in this one uh, as well. This one was definitely like not my favorite out of the bunch, but it was still like, you know, just a, a fun, cute, you know, lighthearted one, fun little family adventure. Um, also, it was fun to see like the designs of the different ships that they had in the race. Like they had one that was like the Mantis from uh, from the Jedi Fallen Order games. Um, I thought the design of the... Um, the the sort of bad girls or whatever like their ship was really cool it basically was like a naboo cruiser but all in like black and red and it looked really sleek and cool and everything um but yeah i mean this was uh you know coming off the heels of the other ones definitely not as much as sort of like a standout like emotional story or um you know anything real like edgy or anything but just like a, a nice fun cute one and uh was a, a nice little addition here in the middle yeah, this one is kind of, you know what you're going to get with this one just from seeing it in the trailers and uh, the animation style with the claymation and knowing the studio behind it. And it kind of lived up to what it was going to be. Uh, like we said, it's probably not going to go down as the best one in the season, but at the same time, it was still entertaining and fun to watch um, as you're seeing it play out. So um, this one was kind of, as I expected, it would be um, one that not going to, be on the more serious tone, obviously, especially for the first day we got, and just more fun, lighthearted, and it was exactly that. Uh, when I do like Stop uh, or Claymation, uh, I do like the Wallace and Gromit movie, so I always appreciate that form of 
animation. And so to kind of see uh, a fun Star Wars story told in that style uh, was really cool. But I will say, uh, Wedge did not come off good in this episode. He kind of said like this uh, cocky <laughs> uh, pilot who's like almost a little bit of a jerk in those advertisements <laughs> there. So not yeah. the best painted light for Wedge. I guess that's the biggest negative of this one. But uh, overall, like I said, this, this was a fun one. I'm not going to go down as the best, but um, just lived up to what uh, how I expected it to be as from what I saw on the trailers. Yeah, I, I, echoing all you guys, you know, I thought this one was fine and, and, and not even fine. It was good. It was a good, solid episode. It wasn't, you know, I don't want everything to be Screechers Reach and the Sith or Ninth Jedi because you need to have different kinds of stories to give you reasons why to have the Screechers Reach and the Sith and, and mm -hmm. whatever, right? And, and and not because I don't think that I'm not saying you should excuse like bad episodes, but this is by far not even close to being bad. It's a really fun, cute episode. Like, you know, you you need kind of something like this to kind of diff, you know, kind of mix it up a little bit. And I thought they did a great job. It was very fun. Again, it felt very in universe, you know, like it could be a, a, some form of canon. And I, I really liked it. I thought it was a really enjoyable episode to watch. And I had a good time watching it. And it's not, it's not really much more to say other than that. I did love the freaking little detail, like um, R2 unit, where it's like a little like uh, accordion thing. Oh my God. Oh, I yeah, love that. Yeah. yeah. What was that droid's name? I forgot what it was. Um, oh, I don't remember. But it was like uh, a dog, basically. Like, oh, God. It was awesome. And a big it, dog. It, it was like eating like bolts out of a little like dog food bowl. <laughs> <laughs> like when she opens up like her lunch and it's like a face and then like it dissolves. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was amazing. It's just it's like, again, fun stuff like that is really is is, is not talked about enough in, in Star Wars. And I, I, I thought, it was, again, to be honest, I thought I'd watched this over a couple of other episodes on in this season. Um, but and that's not necessarily a detriment to the other episodes or this episode. It's just that I thought it was a solid episode. I'd watch this again a couple of times. It's really cute. No, it actually reminded me of, of, of Star Wars video games. It's like reminded me of the Star Wars Super Bombad Racing game. Yeah. Or just like a racing match and uh, courses. In a, in a silly Star Wars setting, this is what this was like. Even the ship designs, as you mentioned, uh, were silly and out there, kind of how they were in the game. So, uh, it's hard to be back to that one <laughs> as I was watching it. Yeah, no, definitely. Those all those like sort of cartoony ship designs were really fun. Um, so yeah, that was a fun one. And then the next one was uh, Journey to the Dark Head, uh, by Studio Mir and uh, the director. I'm gonna butcher this, but uh Hyung Gun Park. Um but now this one was um I don't know th like th out of all of them I feel like this one definitely sort of tried to establish the most uh like of its own kind of lore um out of all of them. like I you know Paul you've been talking a lot about how each of these like could be canon because I think like again for me they don't need to be canon but i think part of the reason they slip in so well is because there's at least you know the, some of these earlier ones that we've talked about are very like character focused um very kind of small scale stories and they're they're focused on like the journeys of the characters as opposed to you know doing a lot of big world building or anything um that's going to kind of like supersede anything from the movies or anything like that um now this one obviously is kind of doing its own thing where it's um you know got its own version of like a war between jedi and sith and you see uh the sith like wiping out all these jedi and then you've got uh you know this jedi padawan who is 
sort of the lone survivor of this attack, who's one of the main characters, and he teams up with this mechanic um, to go and, you know, she's from this planet where, like, they take sto- they they collect stones from the base of a statue that uh you know give them like visions of the future but they've got a you know it's like one statue that represents the light side and one that represents the dark side and you know now like the sith are winning in this war and they think if they go and cut the head off the dark side statue it'll tip the balance back in the light favor and it's very like mortisy kind of like big ideas about the force and sort of physical representations of it and stuff like that um and very like, you know, kind of making up its own, um, you know, sort of mythology and, and doing a lot of world building and stuff. And I was like, I didn't, to me, it didn't all work as well. I think I kind of prefer, um, at least in some in some instances, I, I tend to prefer more of the character-based stories. I do love, like my favorite one from uh, season one of Visions was The Ninth Jedi. And that one also like builds up its own mythology. Um, but I don't know. I, I guess for me with this one, like the whole thing of like, oh, we got to go like blow up the dark side statue and everything. Um, I mean, the story just didn't quite resonate with me as much, but the visuals were really cool. And especially some of the lightsaber duels between the Jedi and the Sith, um, just the, you know, the animation and the visuals and the choreography of those fights and everything was just really well done. So this one was definitely not my favorite story, but really cool on a visual level. And uh you know, an action level and everything. So this was, uh, you know, a really another really solid entry. See, I thought I was kind of maybe being the minority on this one, where but it, how it wasn't? It was probably like not the worst, but maybe my most disappointed um, story in this season. Um, kind of what you were alluding to, Kyle, because the animation style was great. I mean, I think this is one of my favorites visually in that traditional anime style that they had for this one and i really like the design of the sith and his his helmet and his uh costume that he had I, all that stuff looked great but from a story standpoint mainly the characters too i just really couldn't uh, get into the characters and uh the dynamic that they had as we were praising kind of how great a job they did to in the stars and um in uh screechers reach that limited time of really developing the characters i felt this one didn't uh, really do as good a job as those ones did in establishing of the story that these two characters were going on, kind of like that reluctant team up where they're not, where these two characters have to uh, help each other on a mission, but they're both uh, reluctant to team up with the particular person. So stuff, familiar stuff we've seen before. I just didn't think it was executed the best. And just like you said, the overall story of it just didn't really grab me. And it kind of had the potential, I thought it would too, just dealing with uh, more stuff with the Force and the Jedi and the Sith, uh, maybe more so than, uh, some of the other shorts that we got in here, but it just, for whatever reason, didn't really hit the mark as I was hoping it would because it looked amazing. And like I said, the lightsaber battles were cool. It's just mainly the characters I really couldn't get into and just kind of found the whole thing, the story and characters to be forgettable, honestly. I mean, if it didn't have uh, the great animation and visuals, uh, this one would probably be more towards the bottom of the list as far as my favorites goes for this season, which uh, it's kind of disappointing to say, because in the trailers, this one was one of the ones I was kind of most excited to see, because I, again, I just love this uh, uh, traditional anime, anime uh, art style um, that they use for this one. So um, again, not the worst one, but probably my most, the one I was most disappointed in. Man, you boys be cray. Cause like, <laughs> I think this one was pretty solid. Like I, I can see why it wasn't maybe your favorite. See, I disagree that 
this seems like its own well they all have their own lore to an extent right but i think that's the thing that when they take place is important because i do feel like this felt very knights of the old republic to me at least again for like the comic book anyway like it had that kind mm. of feel to it that at least for me and that era and i it very felt much like more like an eu legends kind of story where i think it would could fit into like all that stuff that, that you know where she sees the stones and you know all that stuff that all to me felt like very early like jedi and sith and the force things like that where maybe those people don't exist anymore for a reason you know i i don't know like you know what i mean like i felt like it, it felt very much of that time and era and it worked for me i mean i don't know i, I really i actually really like this episode i uh quite a bit actually uh, and and i thought it was pretty cool and i, I think it's because it had that lore and it kind of implied a little bit more for the force and you know me to me like star wars is all about the force and i know like some people love like the war and espionage the andor stuff and i'm like i love that stuff too i think that's again one of the reasons why star wars is so great is there's diversifying a kind of kind of stories you can tell but to me my favorite stuff is always with the force so when they go more heavy force stuff with, with, as long as it's good right we don't want to go like what that last episode of like uh visions oh yeah from season one (laughs) yikes um that one was not the greatest but for the most part anytime it focuses on focuses on the force or force is kind of like an emphasis it's like i'm all about it for the most part and i just think that the um the the, you know it it definitely is a little I'll, i'll say this it i could definitely see where it being a little too much you know it's a little too like you know if we cut off the big head of this thing be, you know but at the same time i like that a little bit because there is like they're, they're saying there's like that whole materialistic thing about the sith and it like they're like exists like this this representation of the sith if you cut that off it like almost like means like you're cutting out the materialistic side and that side that gives them all their power essentially, you know? So it was kind of interesting. I did like that part of it, but um, like you said, like it, it, it was definitely like a pretty traditional, like, Oh, we're forced to hang out and be together. And we don't get along. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. I, I, I don't know. I, I thought it was, I thought it was a really fun episode. I love the Sith aspects of it. And, and I told, and see for me, I totally could see this happening in the like the old Republic era for the Canon stuff. For for me, I could see it, I could totally see it fitting into that. I could see why you guys wouldn't like it, but I definitely like this way more than you did. Yeah, I think for me, and Tim, I think you kind of hit this pretty well. Like, I just didn't connect with the characters that much, um, and it was it felt very like sort of plot heavy over like plot focused over character focused. Um, and even, you know, I I was comparing it to some other episodes where, you know, they kind of like build their own mythology or whatever, but like, if you go back to like the ninth Jedi from last season, um, yeah, like it also kind of established its own lore with, you know, the, the state of the galaxy with the Jedi and the Sith and the Kyber crystals and the war going on and everything. Um, but at the center of it, like, you know, you, they gave us a main character that, you know, I felt like it was easy to connect to and she was very likable. Um, and so, like, they, they got you kind of hooked in and invested in the characters right away. Whereas this one, you know, like you said, Tim, I didn't necessarily find the characters as sort of likable or relatable. It was just kind of like, oh, here's our two protagonists and they're doing stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't really find, like, sort of that emotional hook to, to really care about, um, you know, their story arcs. 
yeah, like I said, it just it just felt very forgettable <laughs> to me. Which again is disappointing because, like you said, Paul, all that stuff with the force. I mean, I eat all that stuff up too. And just whenever we get that, it's just awesome when it's done and told well. And I just felt this one just didn't have that for me, besides from a visual standpoint. Yeah, yeah, visually it definitely was cool. Um, but then let's see the one after that. Oh, so the next one was the Spy Dancer by uh, Studio Lacachette in France, and uh, the writer was Julian Cheng. Um, this was another really cool one, uh, where, you know, this was another one done in, um, you know, just traditional 2d animation, but, um, you know, just a totally different style from the other ones that we had seen before up to this point. Um, and, uh, you know, the main character is this woman who's a dancer in, um, you know, like this club or whatever that's frequented by a lot of, uh, like Imperial soldiers and officers and stuff. And, um, you know, she so she dances to entertain them, but then also on the side is like spying on them and uh, transmitting information to the rebellion. Um, and it was very cool. I thought it was very fitting that this was done by a French studio because I know there's, you know, a history of like uh, women who were like dancers and stuff in um, France and Europe, like doing this with the Nazis in World War II. Um, so as soon as I read the description for this one and it being done by a French studio, I was like, oh, that's really cool. I'm excited to see what they do with this. Um, and so, you know, you got some of these really cool sequences in here for doing like these elaborate dances and stuff, but then throwing like trackers and spy devices on, you know, stormtroopers and planting stuff inside their helmets and stuff. And they don't notice because they're, you know, just kind of these dumb grunts and they're like in awe of how beautiful she is and stuff. Um, but then she sees an Imperial officer and kind of has this flashback to a similar looking, similar looking officer, like burning down her village and stealing her baby from her, you know, years ago. And she thinks it's the same guy and, uh, you know, first like gets distracted and almost fumbles the dance routine, but then her young like protege comes in and, you know, saves her and kind of makes it look like it was all planned and everybody's still all into it and everything. Um, and so then she, uh, you know, she goes back out there to uh, keep going, goes to confront the guy. And it's not the officer that she thought it was. Um, and, you know, throughout the story, you basically find out that it, it ends up actually being her son and that, um, you know, her, her baby son was kidnapped from her um, as an infant and was raised by the Empire and is now, you know, he thinks he's on the right side, you know, being an Imperial officer. Um, but... Uh, you know, she tells him like who he really is. And you realize that him being of this like alien species that she is, it's like they look humanoid, um, but they've got like these two little horns on their forehead. And they also have like two differently colored eyes and uh, his horns have been cut off and like he wears an eye patch so that he, you know, basically is being made to look human or look like he fits in and assimilates with the rest of the empire. Um and just, you know, with his his mother, like, revealing who he actually is and what happened to him and everything. And then um, she gives him a, uh, I think she gives him, like, a communication device or something that he can use to reach out to her. But she also, like, plants a tracker on him so she can find him. And, uh, you know, at the end, like, you know, they're kind of having this this confrontation and the Empire shows up with more like TIE fighters and AT-ATs and stuff. And she has to make an escape as they're shooting at her and everything. Um, and she escapes with her whole crew. But, um, 
you know, it kind of ends on this note where she's like, he has a way back to me and I have a way back to him. And so it doesn't really, you know, get resolved. Like the son is still part of the empire, um, but kind of ends on this hopeful note where maybe they'll be back together someday. And it's definitely one of those stories that they could continue on and, you know, do more episodes of and, and kind of like complete those character arcs. But I think it also kind of works with the open-ended ending that it's like, we don't necessarily need to see the entire story. It's just kind of like, the fact that it ends with that hope there, you can kind of fill in those gaps and realize that, oh, maybe one day he will kind of, um, you know, uh, kind of shake off the, the shackles of the empire and, and make his way back to where he belongs. Especially because all that stuff of him realizing, like, you know, with the, the horns and the eye and stuff, it's like, we don't see that until the very end when um, he's already, you know, the, the mom is left and he's off and back with the empire and he's like looking at the thing she gave him and then is like looking at his reflection and it's, you know, when we see all that stuff. And so it's like, you can almost kind of see the wheels churning um, of him, you know, kind of realizing, like taking her words to heart a little bit. So, yeah, I thought this one was really cool. Just another, you know, really cool, unique looking art style um, and uh, a cool story that, you know, again, was a, a cool take on some actual historical events, but then kind of throwing the twist in there with, um, you know, just that personal, another like personal family story type connection um, was just really good. And this one was, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was another pleasant surprise one that uh, I just thought was really good. Yeah, that's the word I was going to use. This is probably the most surprising one to me. Um, I, I really, really like this one. I thought the story on it was just really cool. I wasn't sure what to expect from it. Because um, there were some shots of it from the trailer, but none of uh, that stood out uh, to me particularly. And then just the title of the spy dancer just made me think, oh, is it going to be an Imperial spy, a rebel spy? Uh, it turned out to be a rebel spy, but I'm just glad there was so much more layers to that story with the reveal of that Imperial officer being her son. I thought that was just a great twist because I was expecting it to be, oh, uh, the imperial officer who took her son is in the audience and she's going to get revenge and then something's going to go wrong and but she's still trying to chase after uh this person she's trying to get uh, revenge on but the fact that it actually is her son and that original imperial officer who took him raised him to be part of the empire or has pretty much raised him to be his own son and following his footsteps you know that's just a heartbreaking story to see unfold from the mother's eyes just seeing her son be like what she's fighting against and to be what took to be part of what took him from her, from his mother. So it was just something that was, I thought a really great Avenue to explore in star Wars era in this particular point between uh, the rebels and the empire, which is really great stuff. Um, the animation was cool. I just felt um, the store, the stormtroopers didn't uh, wasn't the best uh, look of them in this animation style. It just felt a little, too simple but um other than that with the other characters though it was a cool unique animation style to tell this story and just kind of seeing the imperial officers and stormtroopers out on recreational time and just <laughs> what they're uh, do for entertainment uh so to speak and just kind of seeing them as real people and just uh, as not just being these faceless mindless or faceless uh soldiers without any personalities you saw them without their helmets and then just kind of enjoying a night out until they realize the dancer is a rebel spy and then <laughs> they have to try to take her out um but just a different avenue to see them in i thought was uh, pretty cool and then obviously again just that the heart of the story being about a mother and her son or a strained son and then like you said kyle just not necessarily 
coming together, reconciling or having a happy reunion, but just knowing them both having the truth or knowing the truth of her for what happened to her son and for him, because I'm sure he wondered um, where he came from and who his uh, two parents were, knowing that uh, his horns were removed and he was different from um, the Imperial officer who took him, and I'm sure for most other Imperial officers as well. So just to kind of get that realization, as you see in that final moment, just him reflecting or just pondering kind of what to do. And this was kind of one of those instances when it ended kind of similar to Screech's Reach, where I would love to see kind of what happens and to these characters, will they get reunited again? Will he leave the empire or will he be conflicted um, to leave the empire and rejoin his mother? So I think that would be some um, interesting avenues to explore with these characters. So um, this was one of those episodes where I felt I would love to see more uh, to what happens with these characters we were introduced here. So yeah, this one, again, just a really cool surprise and it's up there as one of my favorites for just uh, how unique its story and animation style was. I mean, you could say unique for the animation style pretty much for all of these, but I just really like the story it's told here, just kind of doing something different um, than we're used to seeing in traditional uh, Rebel versus Empire type stories that we've seen so much of already. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't like this one that much. <laughs> all right. All right. To the dark you, you go, yeah, you can go back to Journey to the Dark Head. <laughs> I will. I'll be way more entertained than this. Um, this was, I liked the animation style. I just didn't, I just, it just the story that it just didn't, it just didn't capture me as much. And I'll be honest, the next two don't really capture me as much as I want them to. I wanted them to, but um, yeah, it, it wasn't bad, but if they continued this over like, let's say Night Jedi or like Creatures Reach, I'd be like, screw that. I'd be so, I'd be like, I'd, be, I'd call that something's, something's a foul here. That's all I got to say. So, uh, I mean, it's fine. I have no interest in this, in these characters. I don't know. I just didn't care about this one. I thought this one was kind of boring to be honest. So call me, call me a jerk, but not my favorite, not my thing. All right. You're a jerk. Um, That's fair. <laughs> You're the Wedge Antilles of the Star Wars Visions. <laughs> but only the only the Star Wars Visions version of Wedge Antilles. Yes. That's what um, I mean. <laughs> no, I mean, that's fair. Like, obviously, I know we've pretty much loved all of them up to this point until, you know, the last couple. But, um, you know, there's different things about these that are going to resonate with different people and everybody's going to have different favorites and stuff. I've seen, you know, some people online... Um, you know, ranking their favorites and stuff. And some are like absolutely ones that I agree with and are also my favorites. And some I'm like, really, you put that one that low and that one that high. So I don't know. It's, you know, Oh, I will say overall, I've seen, you know, pretty, uh, what seems like pretty universal praise of season two overall. So, you know, as long as people are enjoying it and, uh, you know, just finding different things to connect with about it, I think that's cool. So um that's the beauty of it all these different type of stories and animations like you have so much to choose from from what's going to be your favorite and yeah each one's going to be valid yeah definitely um and then the next one is the bandits of Golok uh by the studio 88 pictures in india and the director is uh ishan shukla um i like this one just because this was like an indian clone wars episode was what it felt like to me mm -hmm. especially because it was 3d animation and some of like the crowd scenes you could tell like i mean it like the whole thing didn't necessarily feel like clone wars animation like it kind of felt like they they put their own 
you know, their own style into it and stuff. But in some of those crowd scenes, like they had alien models and stuff that you could tell were taken like directly from Clone Wars. Like they hit up Lucasfilm Animation. We're like, hey, can we borrow some background aliens to throw in here? And it worked like it fit with the style. Um, even though like the, the main characters and stuff weren't quite done in that same Clone Wars animated style. But I always love, you know, some fun 3D animated Star Wars. And this was another touching story between a, a brother and a sister that are on the run from the empire and the sister's force sensitive. Um, and the brother is, you know, trying to get her to safety and uh, ends up getting her to um, this old woman who turns out to be a Jedi and takes the the young girl in um, and, you know, takes her down into this, like at the very end, takes her into this like secret Jedi temple where there's, you know, she says there's more people like her there, but she has to say goodbye to her brother um, but along the way, you know, they are on a train outrunning bandits and they're, you know, outrunning the empire. And at one point, you know, an inquisitor shows up at this village that they get to and like a food fight breaks out. <laughs> and then, uh, the inquisitor has a lightsaber duel with this old woman who turns out to be a Jedi. And that was pretty cool. So, um, yeah, a lot of fun stuff in here. I will say like the first time I watched this one, I thought it was really freaking cool. And then like, the, the second time I watched it, I think this was the one for me that like maybe had the biggest drop off between the first time I watched it and the second time. The first time I was like, wow, that was awesome. The second time I was like, eh, not as good the second time, but like it's still pretty cool. Um, and then like I said, in the middle of it, you know, you have the sort of just this heartfelt story between the, the brother and the sister. I thought from the title that the bandits of Golok were going to be like this, you know, renegade group of bandits or something that they were going to have to fight or they were going to be like the main antagonist in it or something but you realize the bandits are the brother and the sister and they kind of have this game that they play with each other where they pretend to be bandits and um you know kind of use that to like emotionally or, or psychologically kind of get themselves through these you know tough situations that they're dealing with um and there's a moment at the beginning where like they're on this train and you know the, they talk about, oh, you know, the bandit captain, I command the other bandit to go and, you know, steal me some candy or whatever. And so at the end, when the sister is leaving to go train with the Jedi, you know, they have another moment where they're like, um, you know, oh, one day the bandits are going to be back together again and we're going to steal all the sweets in the land and everything. And it's, you know, just this cute sort of touching, uh, you know, bonding story between the brother and the sister. And they also have um, their dad's flute. I forget if their dad was killed by the Empire or just like imprisoned or something. It's, but basically, you know, the Empire came in and did bad stuff to their home. And now it's just the two of them on the run. Um, but they have uh, like the brother has their dad's flute um, that he left to them. And uh, one, like one way that the they you know, get in trouble from the beginning and kind of gets the whole conflict started is uh, the sister wants to have the dad's flute and the brother's like, no, you know, you, you can't play it right now. Like we're on the train, you know, we're trying to keep a low profile and everything. And much like um, kind of like uh, in the stars, like the younger sister is kind of, uh, you know, precocious and doesn't quite realize the extent of the uh, the circumstances that they're in. And so she uses the force to like pull the flute away from the brother as he's, you know, walking away and she starts playing the flute, but like people see her and they rat her out to the empire. Um, so, you know, the, the flute plays a big part in it as well. And at the end, as she goes down into the, the Jedi temple and the water covers it back up and everything like the flute floats back up to the top. And so she leaves that for the brother. And so that was a nice touch too. So, um, 
yeah, there was a, another one with, uh, you know, just a, a heartfelt, emotional sort of family so family story at the center of it. Um, and just with some some fun animation and some fun action scenes and stuff along the way that, uh, like I said, really was not just because of the aliens and stuff that they use, but was kind of evocative of like a Clone Wars or Rebels type episode with, uh, you know, definitely like some Indian cultural flair to it. So I thought this was a cool one. I'm going to be another jerk. Didn't <laughs> like this one. It was fine. Can I be real? It felt like a, it felt like a broke ass Clone Wars episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to say it. Like it was, again, it's not terrible. It's just like, eh. I just didn't, I was just like, it just felt like it, it felt very much like Clone Wars in a way where like, it wasn't like, it was just trying, it just, yeah. Like you said, it definitely borrowed some from that. It felt like, and I just didn't find the story that intriguing again. And, and the characters kind of bored me. I just wasn't interested. I'm like, I'm ready to move on. Like these definitely hit a uh, visions definitely dips a little bit. Like then, again, these are not bad. Like, I'd watch these over the village, whatever the last one is, the crappy one. And then I'd watch of the last season. I definitely watched this over that stupid robot one. Um, hey, 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 watch your hey, mouth. You heard T.O.B. You heard one me. was a good one. <laughs> it, 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 dude, well, it's better than those twin episodes. That twin episode was terrible. Oh, my God. Um, see, I, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, see, I, not, yeah, the, the twins was not my favorite. I'm, I'm more with Paul on that one. I don't know if I'd say it was terrible, but it was not my cup of tea. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're not terrible. None of them have been terrible, terrible, except for that last episode of the first season. Um, Like... I, but I'd watch these over those still. Those are better episodes. But yeah, I, I these are because this year this season's been so good. Maybe that if they would have put those in the other season, I'd be like, oh man, Vision is amazing. Like it might be better. But like season two is so good out the gate with those first like what four episodes. I'll count I'm your mother in there. Like it's so good that like you just kind of go, yeah, this is awesome. And you're like, well, what happened to the quality? after a while you know but like after that episode or after Darkhead, i should say um so yeah i don't know like it kind of dips a little bit toward again these aren't terrible they're just not like my favorite they're just they're kind of they're average to me they're average star wars stories in my opinion yeah i think this one might have been a little overhyped for me because i saw a lot of praise um, about this one and then seeing that it was going to be this one that in this animation style i thought oh this one should be probably one of the best because from the trailers, the animation style really stood out to me. Like you were saying, oh, this is the one that's going to feel more, most like Clone Wars when it comes to, to animation style. So again, not, I didn't hate it or thought it was horrible. It just, again, maybe it was a little too overhyped because there was some cool stuff in there too. I, I really liked the animation. I thought um, incorporating like the Indian culture worked well in the story um, and in, among the Star Wars universe. And then it just, I don't know, like I said, it took a little while, I guess, to get going where maybe they spent a little too much time on the train, maybe, where if they would have gotten to kind of like that safe haven area and they meet the, the old Jedi master there. And then, cause when the Inquisitor showed up, that's where uh, things started to get more interesting, especially with the lightsaber combat that they had. But um, he was accompanied by two purge troopers who looked awesome, but sadly they didn't really do anything. <laughs> I mean, mm -hmm. There's that one moment where it's like, everyone's it's like in slow motion when everyone's getting pushed away. I think it was because, uh, the, the Jedi, the old lady Jedi was using the force to kind of push everyone away. Um, but they were taken out pretty quickly. <laughs> but uh, her lightsaber fight with the Inquisitor uh, was pretty cool. 
I, I did like his look too. He kind of was like a male version of like the Wicked Witch <laughs> from The Wizard mm-hmm. of Oz uh, with his green skin. And he was definitely kind of literally like the mustache twirly type villain <laughs> the way he looked. <laughs> um, so, but like, there's some cool uh, design in- that choices that were interesting, interesting to see um, for stuff we're familiar with like Inquisitors. And uh, there is that train, like that, train sequence too where like these bandits are trying to attack it it was nice to kind of see some stormtroopers uh do their job uh accurately <laughs> where mm-hmm. some of them got taken out but they took out some of the bandits there's that one where one tried to get on the train he opens the door and the stormtroopers there and it just shoots the bandit right off i was expecting to that stormtrooper to be surprised and thrown off <laughs> the train as we typically see but those some of them actually stood their ground and were competent soldiers so that was refreshing <laughs> to see but um yeah so this one uh you said it best it was good kind of average good not great not bad or horrible or anything like that this is one of the middle tier ones but i really did like how it looked with its animation style just um evoking stuff we're familiar with from uh the clone wars so yeah overall i felt this one was just, was solid yeah and this was one for me too that i was most looking forward to just from the trailers and stuff so actually when uh when this season first came out i watched sith first and then i watched this one next um and then i went through and just watched the rest of them all in order um so I don't know, maybe that has something to do too with like why I enjoyed it so much is I didn't, you know, I hadn't seen all, some of the other really good ones that had come before it. But um, yeah, on first watch, like I I loved this one. I really enjoyed it and then watched it again and came down off it a little bit, but I still like, it's still up there for me. I still think this is a good one. So um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, and then the next one is uh, The Pit from uh, D'Art Shitagio. Uh, which is a Japanese anime studio. And they did this one in collaboration with Lucasfilm. Um, and it's written and directed by Leandre Thomas and co-directed by Justin Ridge, uh, who we know from, you know, Clone Wars and Rebels and stuff. He's directed a lot of stuff with them before. So, um, and this one was uh, also maybe not necessarily my favorite, but I liked the themes here and like what they were trying to do with it. Um, and this one, you know, you have uh, all these people that get, you know, basically forced into uh, imperial slave labor to dig this giant pit um, after finding uh, kyber crystals. And, you know, they're basically mining for kyber crystals, end up digging this giant pit to, you know, mine all the kyber at the bottom of it. Um, but rather than it being focused on like using kyber crystals for lightsabers or weapons or whatever, it's just kind of like funding the wealth of this nearby city that you see like as the pit gets deeper and deeper, the city off in the distance gets bigger and more opulent and you know kind of more well off and they're clearly like profiting off of the suffering of the people in this pit um and then uh you know at one point the you know they basically hit literal rock bottom in the pit where they can't dig any deeper and they've exhausted the the kyber crystals and the empire just takes off and leaves and leaves all these people down there in the pit um and uh you know, they're, they're trying to figure out what they can do to get out. And one guy, uh, I think his name is Crux, um, decides to, you know, try to climb out of the pit, um, and, uh, you know, go to try to get help in the nearby city. And he goes into the city and tells everybody like, Hey, there's all these people, you know, nearby in this pit that need your help. And, you know, we've been digging for all these kyber crystals that have built this, you know, the city that you live in. And if any of you have any, goodness or light in your hearts like you'll come and help us and uh you can see that people are you know kind of hearing him and considering what he's saying but like nobody does anything yet and then stormtroopers show up and arrest him and drag him back out of the city 
uh, and throw him back into the pit where he, you know, falls to his death. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the people, you know, see that and they're all kind of traumatized by it and stuff, but they decide that, um, you know, in order to, uh, like not let his sacrifice be in vain, they're like, we got to do something to let the people know that we're down here. And they start chanting, like, follow the light. Um, and all the, you know, people from the city are, you know, investigating what's going on and they all come out and they basically, you know, they see all the people down in the pit, they defy the orders of the empire and, you know, the crowd kind of overwhelms them and they are able to get ships down there to rescue everybody. Um, so it was, like I said, it was like, I, I like this one for, um, like, I like the characters in it. I like the themes they're trying to convey. There's obviously definitely like some real world parallels here. Um, it wasn't my favorite just in terms of like the actual story. And, uh, also I'm like, I'm going to admit I'm probably kind of biased just because like, especially with the animation and stuff, like just that anime style isn't necessarily my favorite. I think that's another reason why, like I like season two so much more than season one is I just like getting to see, um, more differing styles of animation and stuff. Um, but this was, you know, it certainly was not bad. Like, it wasn't my favorite one of the bunch. But um, also, like, the the way that they were all just chanting, like, follow the light. Like, sounded a little awkward. Um, but again, like, the the theme and the message of it was good. So, um, yeah, not, not my favorite, not my least favorite. But uh, another solid entry in uh, just a, a good, you know, diverse group of stories that we got for the season. Yeah, I'm going to be more in agreement with you on this one as well um good ideas and like you said good themes that they were trying to tell with this story but i just felt it was just a slow burn and it kind of dragged and um i probably watched this one too late originally because i did doze off kind of in the middle <laughs> of it so i had to watch it again to make sure i got the full story of it but even then i still felt like it was still like i said a slow burn to get through um but yeah, I don't know. I did like the animation style because I do like anime, and I did really did like how the stormtroopers looked in this one, especially that one that one uh, with the cape who was like the in charge, getting some Captain Phasma vibes from him there, which is <laughs> cool. So uh, <laughs> I did like the animation style in this one, and again the message and the story it was trying to tell um, with these uh, poor people that were enslaved by the Empire. Again, this is one where it's showing you know just the cruelty of how the Empire really is despite all their cool looking armor you know just really showing that they are the bad guys and just uh how cruel they can be to use the people like this and then just leave them to die just in, in the pit just all alone um so it was a good how it shed the light on that aspect of it but um yeah again one of those ones that's probably not going to end up being one of my favorites of the season but um still some stuff to enjoy in it like i said with the animation style mainly and for the themes it was trying to portray yeah, I think this episode is, is better than the other two <clears throat> that we just watched, but it felt kind of also, um, well, I guess I'll save that because it kind of, th these next few episodes kind of blur together for me a little, or no, the last two episodes definitely blurred together for me a little bit. And um, they kind of seem very similar and they kind of get repetitive a little bit, but I definitely preferred the pit over what we got in this episode, especially the very end with like the Kyber crystal at the very end, like kind of revealing itself to the little girl that that was pretty unique and mm. interesting. So that was pretty cool. I thought, um, yeah, I wasn't, uh, 
I didn't think it was uh, like the best, but it wasn't like the worst. I, I still would watch this over the other two. I didn't, I didn't like that much. Um, so, um, but yeah, I, I thought this was a solid, like solid stuff. wasn't wasn't out of my, out of this world, but you know, good again, a good a good solid storytelling. I think the ending really made me like it the most, to be honest. Yeah, the ending was cool. Where you see, I, you know, you had the the main guy Crux, and then there was this young girl that he had kind of bonded with, and he had, you know, before he left, he had shared this message with her about, you know, um, helping everyone find their inner light or something like that. Um, and at the end, she has a little shard of kyber crystal that uh, just like kind of how we see in Clone Wars and stuff like it starts off as clear. And then at the very end of the episode, as she's holding it, it kind of uh, like straight sort of levitates almost in her hand, goes from like laying flat to standing upright and it goes from clear to blue. Um, and so kind of implying that she is force sensitive and she's connecting with this crystal and maybe one day she'll go on to be a Jedi or something like that. But um yeah, nice little like uplifting uh, sort of hopeful message there to end on. Also, I thought it was a cool touch that uh, throughout the episode, you see this one guy down there with all the prisoners down in the pit who's like spray painting on these rocks. Um, and then when they come, when the, the people from the city come down to rescue them, you know, he, he finishes his painting and leaves. But you don't see what it is until uh, like if you watch all the way through the credits, there's like a post credit scene where you just see this big like spray painted mural that he's been doing down at the bottom of the pit this whole time. And it's just kind of this cool, like empowering image of all the main characters from the episode. So well, that was I'll, a cool. I'll have to go back and check that out because I didn't really stay for the credits for most of the episodes to just move on to the next one. But well, see the, they kind of give you a hint for this one because with most of the episodes, like as the credits are playing, the, the player will come up on Disney plus where it's like starting the next episode in 20 seconds or something. And like uh -huh. it sh kind of shrinks the player down. And for this one, it didn't do that. Um, it just kind of left it full size. And so I think I just kind of left it playing because i was like waiting for that next episode thing to come up and then was like oh there's something at the end of the credits here so um yeah for anybody else that maybe missed that and didn't watch all the way to the end i would say you know check that out just it's a cool nice little touch at the end of the episode but um yeah it was a cool one like i said not not my favorite but definitely had some some cool themes and a good message to it so um yeah that was uh that one was pretty cool um and then the last one was uh, Ow's song by uh, the studio Triggerfish from South Africa and uh, directed by Nadia Daris and Daniel Clark. Um, and this one I thought was really cool too. Like, and it was definitely maybe the most unique of the bunch. Um, it was done in uh, sort of like a, a claymation or stop motion kind of way, but with these characters that almost look like puppets that, you know, kind of had like felt textures to mm -hmm. them and stuff. Almost felt like I was watching a puppet show. Um, with very like bright, vibrant colors and the story about uh, a young girl who has like a powerful singing voice that can like resonate with these kyber crystals. And again, you know, this is another one where they kind of had their own unique take on the mythology where like in this version of the story, um, the, the Sith have like basically have corrupted all the kyber crystals um, in the galaxy and, you know, turn them all red. So it, it kind of took the idea of like Sith bleeding a Kyber crystal and sort of flipped that around. And it was like, what if we're in a, a universe where like all the Kyber crystals were red and evil and the Sith kind of had control and the, the whole mission of the Jedi was to try to go around and purify Kyber crystals. Um, 
And so, uh, you know, and this girl, Ao, has, you find out by the end that she kind of has the, the ability to do that with her voice. But along the way, it's, you know, kind of dangerous because she can't really control it or, uh, you know, doing that can cause like rock slides or whatever. And it's kind of one of those things where like her dad and the people around her are trying to stop her from using that power until the very end when you realize like how much she can use it for good. Um, but there's also a Jedi character in the story that kind of helps her with that as well. And it's a really cool interpretation of a Jedi. Again, it was, you know, something where it was just a completely different take on it. Um, but this Jedi woman shows up, you know, kind of in this like mysterious, like cloak and hat. Um, and, uh, you know, it, this was not so much like an action pack when we didn't really see the Jedi do any fighting, but like, she definitely still got to do some cool stuff with like her, her lightsaber and the force and all that. Um, and then of course, yeah, like I said, at the end, it ends with Ao finally getting to use her voice and, you know, purify all the kyber crystals and, um, then, you know, the, the Jedi takes her under her wing and she gets to go off and see the galaxy and, you know, help do that in other places as well. And so kind of another, you know, sort of hero's journey type story where she leaves behind her dad and her simple life of, you know, mining and stuff that she's doing on her home planet and gets to go off and help the Jedi across the galaxy. Um, but yeah, this one was cool. Also probably like, I wouldn't say it was my favorite one overall um I, you know i'd probably put it like in that that middle tier as well but i appreciate just sort of the uniqueness of it um it's definitely one that stands out just for uh, a you know totally different look and feel to some of the other ones and a really unique interpretation of like jedi and the force and kyber crystals and um you know resonating with music and stuff like that it just had some cool unique ideas that i really liked yeah i really like this one a lot too um as far as like the stop motion animation goes, um, I really like how this one, like, and I think you described it perfectly, kind of saying it's almost like a puppet show that you're watching. I really like the character designs of, of these creatures, of the father and daughter. Um, so all that stuff was great, but I really like, again, kind of similar to Screechers, we just kind of flipping its head on a traditional story as far as the kyber crystals all being already um, corrupted and bled by the Sith and now it's more rare to actually purify it and to find ones that are pure. And that's the mission of the Jedi. I really like that aspect of the story, doing something different in regards to the Kyber crystals and how Al, her singing voice is kind of the key to purifying all of it. But yet um, in doing that, she had this overprotective father because it would kind of cause, disrupt uh, the planes, the planet and the area that they're working on to where these Kyber crystals are that just causing um, a little bit of damage and uh, destruction there. Um, so that's why he was keeping her or preventing her from using her singing voice when really, um, it's what the Kyber crystals needed. So I just really like, again, doing a different approach to a traditional, um, story aspect of Star Wars with the Kyber crystals here. If anything, um, I will say it was, I mean, this is the last one of the season, but, um, it was starting to get a little familiar and a bit repetitive of, um, seeing a character kind of move along and go with a Jedi or in the case of this, <laughs> the second one with uh, Screechers Reach with going with a Sith, but just your main uh, protagonist being leaving her familiar home and going off um, to fulfill their destiny type of thing. So we kind of saw that in like three times this season. Uh, so by the time we got to this one, it was like, I mean, it worked for the story, but at the same time, it was like, okay, this is starting to feel 
a little familiar. But overall, I thought this was a really solid one. Definitely a more solid way to end a season of Star Wars Visions than season one was. Sorry <laughs> for those who like uh, the season finale of season one were dogging on it so much on this one, but it just really wasn't our cup of tea. But this one was totally different from that animation style story-wise. But um, overall, a, definitely a more satisfying way to end, which was a in what was a great season of Star Wars Visions uh, Volume 2. So, yeah, I really like this one a lot just for how different it was in its both animation style and doing a different story about Kyber Crystals. You know, one of the things I thought was interesting, though I, I agree it started getting a little repetitive at the end, you got to wonder if either, either two things, in my opinion. One, they're kind of mandated, like, hey, we want these are the kind of stories we want you to tell in this kind mm. of vein, you know, which I don't really see that happening. So if you go the other route, they and, and maybe Lucasfilm kind of saw that and said, you know what, let's not let's not actually say anything. Let's let them do their own stories. And that's what naturally came out. So think about there's there's that if that's the case, which I'm assuming that's the case, honestly, that many those many people wanted to tell those kinds of stories as kyber crystals, like all individually of different like cultures. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So there, there's a really there's a really interesting, I think, theme there of what these creatives are kind of like what they want to tell and what they project and what they kind of think is interesting about Star Wars, which is the kyber crystals and the force. And and maybe that's why I think I kind of give Pao's song um, is it Pao? I was terrible name. Um, Pao. Pao something. Pao, Pao, same difference. Um, <laughs> but um but it, it, I kind of give it a passing, like more of a, not more of a passing. I actually really like this episode. Again, there's that exaggerated feel that like, this is not Canon, but I could see this existing in Canon because look at that. Like we talked about the high Republic, um, the light of the Jedi, uh, with, um, a, uh, is it, a, oh gosh, Avar Chris, Chris, Avar Chris. Yeah. I want to call it, uh, Alex Chris. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, Avar Chris and how she uses a song in, in, in the song of the force and, and that bringing that whole like artistic aspect to the force. I thought it was really interesting. Like almost like that was a play on that a little bit. Right. Like, so, yeah. um, so I, I didn't mind this. I, again, I looked at this as like as more of like an older tale of like, when maybe the Sith, because I didn't think that was all the Sith corrupted all like the Kyber crystals of the planet, like kind of a thing. I interpreted it as like, oh, there's like this big, like this whole planet got corrupted by the Sith and they're just trying to fix them kind of a thing. And um, so I, again, I could see that happening in, in like a, on like a Tales of the Jedi kind of a, a aspect, which, which again, which I kind of want them to do more of tales of the jedi stuff you know of, of that kind of thing so i don't know i i uh i definitely i definitely feel like this is a, one of the better ones of the season and i think it ends i think the pit and and, and el song are definitely like they kind of go dips dips a little bit in the series and then the season and then it finally ups a little bit with these last two episodes and i really like these i really like them especially how unique the, um, the animation style was like in the whole puppet kind of realism kind of it's almost like realistic surrealistic like animation was really cool and really interesting mm -hmm. so so yeah I, I i for one i i dug this myself yeah it is interesting to see like how many of these focus on you know the force and the jedi and the kyber crystals and stuff but yeah i think 
to your point, if Lucasfilm is letting them sort of decide what kind of stories that they want to tell, but you know, the whole, um, the whole idea behind it kind of is to put your own sort of cultural spin on it and uh, sort of your own artistic identity and stuff like that. I just feel like sort of the more spiritual side of star Wars is sort of more conducive to that with the whole, you know, the, the Jedi and the the mythology around the force and, you know, kyber crystals and lightsabers and ancient Jedi texts and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I feel like is kind of easier to incorporate into just cultural, you know, folk tales or, or imbue your own sort of cultural mythology into it, as opposed to just doing a story about like X-Wings and TIE fighters or, you know, doing like a space battle or a, a you know, rebels versus empire or something like that. Um, and just because I feel like that's the kind of stuff that fits more into like, well, that's just the canon of star Wars. And like, that is, you know, kind of is what it is. Now, obviously some, you know, there are some instances where you can do stories like that. Obviously that worked for um, the, uh, the spy dancer. Um, and I'm not saying that you, you know, can't do stories like that. I'm just saying it's not surprising that that's just sort of what people gravitate towards and that, you know, they want to tell most of these stories about. Plus, I think, you know, especially for all three of us, and I know with a lot of other Star Wars fans as well, it's like the Jedi and the Force and everything is kind of the most interesting aspect of Star Wars. It's like the first thing you think about when you think Star Wars. So, um, you know, if if somebody asked me to do a Star Wars story and I was like, oh, I've got this really cool idea for like a different take on a Jedi and then being like, oh, but you know, like maybe I don't want to do that just because there's so many Jedi stories out there. So maybe I'll just sort of make something else up that has to do with like stormtroopers or spaceships or whatever. I mean, there's so much more to the Star Wars universe than just Jedi, but like it makes sense that that's the thing that jumps out at people that are like, hey, I've really got some cool ideas for this. So I'm glad that they're letting them do that. Even if it sometimes might feel a little bit repetitive, and you get to the end of the season and you're like, wow, I just watched a lot of episodes about kyber crystals. Um, I'm still glad that, you know, Lucasfilm lets, you know, just kind of gives them free reign to tell those stories and put their unique interpretations on each one. Because it might feel a little bit redundant if you're sitting and binging the entire season. But like a year from now, if you're thinking back on your favorite ones and you just want to go watch one, you know, one off episode here or there, it's not really going to be affected by like what else is in the rest of the season. I think that's also what works about these just being sort of all these individual, you know, one off stories and why I personally don't necessarily think that all of them need to be, you know, integrated into canon or continued into longer stories or anything like that. I kind of like just having these one off individual kind of artistic cultural snapshots of like what people what different people envision that star wars could be so i think it's really cool i think like i like uh i definitely like this season more than the first season just because of getting more diversity of those different cultural themes and different animation styles and different types of stories and everything um i just feel like you know when i think of season one like season two compared to season one there's still definitely some standout episodes for season one but i feel like it was a lot more kind of pick and choose like i liked these three or four episodes a lot and the rest of it was you know certainly not bad but like maybe not really my favorite um whereas with this season even the episodes that weren't my favorite when i think about just the season overall as a whole i'm like yeah i'll take all of that um and I hope they do another season and I hope we get to get, you know, some more just different stories like this from, you know, all over the place. I think this was a really cool idea to 
open it up for season two and just do, you know, stories from all over the globe. I think it worked out really well. Yeah, I'm in a complete agreement. I would say season two is just overall stronger. And just from a storytelling aspect too, this, I just connected more with the stories that were being told in this season more so than with season one, despite some of the stuff uh, being a little bit repetitive by the time you got to the end. But like I said, if you're just focusing on like one particular chapter, it's just going to be a great short Star Wars story that you're going to be able to experience. And again, just getting that culture, that influence from different parts of the world, all over the world, um, sharing their Star Wars story is just great. And I think that's going to be the way they'll probably go um, if we hopefully get future volumes um, of Star Wars Visions and not just limiting it limiting it to one particular country like we did in season one was getting the Japanese anime influence, which I love, but I think season two just proves there's just such a great variety of animation styles that um, just work really well in Star Wars storytelling. So I'm just excited and hopeful that we will get more because it sounds like season two has just been uh, positively received amongst the fans who've seen it um, and just really just, just seeing a lot of praise for it all around. Um, and rightfully so from the great stuff that we got. So I'm optimistic that we will get future volumes um, for Star Wars Visions because I'm just sure there's a lot more great uh, storytelling uh, to be told uh, from all over the world uh, for people who love Star Wars just as much as we do. Yeah, I think that the season definitely shows the, the, and I said it before, the importance of something like this that you need to keep, you keep you need to keep kind of invigorating Star Wars with some fresh perspective that you don't have a lot of pressure on it. And now, and I know that saying everything should be canon necessarily, but kind of like how the EU is kind of slowly kind of finally kind of creeping into the mainstream canon. I think the most popular well-received ones should be in some ways mm -hmm. accepted because that, that to me is, is showing kind of like one, you're listening to the fans and also like, acknowledging these great works that like have kind of are saying are starting to stand with the test of time so to speak that you can say oh yeah like people really like this series because you know the ninth jedi or whatever like make that somehow canon do like do like a, a heaven forbid a, a film adaptation of like a whole like movie about that whole like 15 minute story that's canonized you know or or, or whatever right like live action movie whatever you want to do like do something like that and honor it and you know not do one for one but bring most of those elements into it the whole idea of an adaptation like what's why we let's look at like you know comic book adaptations and novel adaptations kind of the same thing and i'm and i'm i'm a, because everything, everything is mostly canon to an extent in star wars which i again i approve of and i want that i don't necessarily want adaptations of like already written books and comics because i think those are its own stories now but something like this makes more sense because it's not really canonized, but you can turn it into canon because because to me, the things you have to change to make it canon don't make it bad. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. like like Night Jedi or or even Owl's Song. Like you could keep all that stuff there and have it still and still be pretty, pretty accurate to the main story without having to be, you know, whereas I think you couldn't necessarily do that with Ronin, you know, maybe for the most maybe actually not take it back. You could do that with Ronin a little bit um you know maybe not make it be the empire era but you get what i'm saying like there's, those are all things you could adapt into mainstream canon at some point so season two to me just really shows you that the advantage of having a lot of different writers and not having the expectation of like i hate to say it but like a boardroom saying 
this is not mainstream enough. You need to go in here and make, you know, I mean, not saying Lucasfilm does that, but like, let's be real Disney, man. I mean, like they're going to want to make money. They want to like, you know, and these are like, kind of like more like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Have fun. Knock yourself out. You know, that's what it feels like it. This is, and it's more of an, it's more artistic expression. And I think there's a value to that. And I think you've, you're, you're already seeing the value of these, like these writers and these artists and these, and these illustrators having completely no rain, like no rains uh, all off. And all of a sudden they're going out, they're going to town and producing some great content and people are resonating to it. And I think that sh- says something and it should show Lucasfilm and Disney like, Hey, we should like look at these stories and maybe like consider what we could have taken and adapt from for stories or whatever, or, or, or maybe heaven forbid, hire them to write real canon stories or further ones. I mean, you know, I mean, just throwing it out there. So like the guy, I keep going back to the guy who wrote Ninth Jedi. Why the hell is that guy writing Star Wars? Like I gets it. Like give that guy like say, yeah, we, we get it. You're not from our culture or whatever, but like, Hey, you know what? You're really good at writing characters and stories. We need you like, like seriously, like how can we get this guy or, or whoever, or the person who wrote, um, uh, Screechers Reach or uh, The Sith or, um, you know, Journey to Darkhead. Yeah, you heard me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being a joke with that one, but but you get it. Or, or, or the, the third one, the um, I'm terrible at names, the one we all liked. Um, the the in the stars, the, in the stars. Yeah, thank you. Like, get that guy to write, write some more Star Wars stuff. Like, get him, like, get these guys or gals, get them in the rooms and start developing talent. Like, I keep going back to like Charles soul, you know, now he's a consultant for creative, a creative overall consultant for star Wars stories because he's written so many great, good comic books and now novels. And okay. Yeah. This guy's proven. This guy gets the universe. He gets star Wars and he's good at it. So why it gave him more of a, you know, more of a, you know, a front runner job. Hey, let's give it to these guys too. Like seriously, they, they deserve it. They've shown they've can write great star Wars and have God, man, like, Night Jedi, Into the Stars, you know, Screechers Reach. Um, these are all great, great song or great songs. These are all great, um, you know, stories. So let's, to me, Vision shows you that there's great, great writers out there that you know George probably loves these for, for the most part. Um, and yeah, I would like, love oh, to hear yeah. his reactions to these. <laughs> yeah, he probably, and honestly, he probably loves them, and he probably would say, like, yeah, these are great yep. because you know why? They're not beholden to what he's done and to what other people have done. Now. I disagree that I don't think stars should all be like that. Not even close because we had that. And it was a mess. Um, but I will say that I do think that they need to, um, they definitely need to, to hire these people as, as main writers. So yeah, Disney Lucasfilm. I know you're not listening, but it, like you need to do it. Get off your ass, get this done. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, I don't know if I'd go that far as saying that all of the people writing this stuff need to be writing, you know, mainstream Star Wars. I think that's part of the the appeal of doing something like Visions is you don't have to commit to, you know, fully buying into, uh, you know, being part of the Star Wars universe and the adherence to canon and all the pressure of, you know, making a canon live action Disney thing. Um I'm sure it is a lot less pressure just getting to do these, you know, these one-off animated shorts. I will say the the one that I still want to see more of, even though I, on the whole, like season two more, and there's probably even, like, I would say In the Stars might be my new favorite episode out of all of Visions. Um, 
but the ninth Jedi from season one is still the one that I would most like to see a continuation of. And, uh, you know, if they wanted to turn that into a series or a movie or something, even if it was something that was just kind of like a legend story, like let it stay in its own little universe. You don't have to change it to like make it fit with canon. Because it's one of those things that like could fit with the canon timeline. It could just be either so far in the past or so far in the future that it just doesn't matter. It doesn't need to connect to anything else. Um, but I would love to see more of that one. Now, I know that the studio that made that is now currently making a Lord of the Rings animated film, The War of the Rohirrim, that's coming out next year. Oh, really? Um, I didn't realize that was the same studio. Well, yeah, it's awesome. the same studio, uh, Production IG. Um and so I'm hoping that maybe once they're done with that, because I remember hearing that announcement that they were going to be making that. And I was like, well, dang, then they're probably not going to be making more Star Wars anytime soon. Although I don't know how big the studio is or if they can be working on multiple projects at once. Um, but I'm kind of holding out hope that after that movie comes out next year, that maybe we'll hear something about a continuation of the ninth Jedi, especially because the director of it, I know, you know, went on record and said like, I've got, an entire story for a movie mapped out in my head and I would love to do it. So, um, yeah, I would love to see that happen at some point. Um, but I also just would, you know, I would love to see visions continue on just as it is, you know, I hope we get a third season and maybe even more than that, where we just get to see, uh, all these different little snapshots of, you know, different people's sort of artistic and cultural interpretations of star Wars. So I think it's been a lot of fun. I think it's been really cool. And I think, uh, this season was absolutely great and uh, just, you know, a joy to watch and some great new uh, Star Wars content to add to the growing list for this year of all the awesome stuff that we've got so far. Um, but I mean, we talked about, you know, kind of some of our, you know, the episodes that were some of our favorites and stuff. But um, I don't know if we necessarily need to rank the entire season, but what would you guys say were maybe like your top five episodes? I think I got my top five mapped out already. <laughs> um, definitely Screechers Reach would be number one, um, followed by Sith, then In the Stars. Then I'm going to go with Spy Dancer. And then I'm going to go with uh, Owl Song to round up my top five. Nice. Paul, what about you? I'm going to go Screechers Reach, Into the Stars. Um, hmm. Probably, God, probably Sith. Then I'd probably go uh, Journey to the Big Head, and then probably Owl Song. <laughs> Journey to the Big Head. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I got the Smiths in my head. <laughs> Big Mouth strikes again. <laughs> um. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, it's cool that we all have the same top three, maybe not necessarily in the same order, but uh, yeah, because for me, I would say In the Stars is definitely my number one, uh, Sith number two, and Screechers Reach number three. Um, and then I would put the Spy Dancer at number four and Bandits of Golok at five. Um, so yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in there. We all had slightly different lists, but um, In the Stars, Sith, and Screechers Reach, I think obviously were ones that we all loved, and those seem to be um, ones that are getting a lot of love from a lot of the other fans as well. Um, but Tim, I think you did put the question out on on Twitter, right, of asking people what they thought of the season. So did we get any uh, any differing answers from people there? 
Yeah, I put it out later than usual, so sorry about that. It's probably why we just got one response this time. But it is from Rural Farm Boy, who says um, they each have their own look slash style. Very different from Volume 1, but he loves them. And then he just has a screenshot of Krennic from Rogue One just saying, yes, all of them. So <laughs> stick to say Rural Farm Boy loved all the shorts of Star Wars Visions Volume 2. Yeah. Well, you, you put that out a little bit later, and I had also put out a... Uh, a post earlier as well about the 40th anniversary of return of the Jedi. Um, and we got a couple of responses on that one as well. I just said, happy 40th anniversary to return of the Jedi. And what's your favorite moment from the film? And we got a couple of responses on that one from owl Henry, who just said, I love the whole thing. It's my favorite one. Um, and then Hassan Scarborough said uh, my favorite moment from return of the Jedi is seeing Luke's green lightsaber by R2 tossing a dime to him to start the rescue of his friends. Um, which is definitely a great moment. And then I think like I posted a gif of what's probably my favorite moment, but it's so hard to pick just one of Luke facing down Palpatine and saying, I am a Jedi like my father before me. Um, so it's cool to get some responses from people in that one as well. But um, yeah, I mean, with visions, like I said, it's, I've seen a lot of, a uh, lot of varying, um, you know, reactions from people as far as like which ones were their favorites and stuff, but just a lot of positive reaction for season two overall. If we had thought it out ahead of time, we could have asked people to rank, you know, what's your favorite episode or, you know, how would you rank them all or something? We could have read that at the end, but. Um, Feel free to still let us know though, after you hear this episode. Yeah, for sure. You know, when, especially when we go ahead and, you know, post the episode, go ahead and comment on it with uh, any additional thoughts you have on, on season two of visions, but um, thank you as always to, to those of you that chime in and, uh, you know, engage with us on social media and send us comments and questions and stuff. Um, and of course, if you want to uh, follow along, we're on Twitter at star Wars TSC is the best place to follow us. We're also on Facebook. Uh, and I still need to get around to making us another Instagram page. Um, but you can also email us on, uh, or e yeah, email us at, uh, starwarstsc at gmail.com. If you want to you know, send us thoughts or comments or questions by email, um, and check out our website at starwarstsc.com. Also last time I'm going to plug this because it's coming up in a week, but if you happen to be in Arizona and you're going to the Phoenix fan fusion, uh, coming up the first weekend in June, you can hear me and Tim talking star Wars in person. Uh, along with our friend Jason Hunt from the Wampus Lair podcast, we'll be hosting three different Star Wars panels throughout the weekend, uh, talking about all the upcoming Star Wars movies and shows, as well as The Mandalorian Season 3 and Jedi Survivors. So uh, go ahead and check that out uh, if you happen to be in the Phoenix area this weekend. I don't know how many of all the people listening to this, how many people are actually going to be there. I would imagine maybe like two of you. But... Um, <laughs> I don't know. It'd be cool. Like we, I've been doing these panels for a while now with uh, Jason and our other friend, uh, Joey Letson. Um, and, you know, we always have people at the end of the panels that, you know, come up and engage with us and want to talk more star Wars and we'll give them business cards for our podcast and stuff. And I'm sure we've gotten a few new listeners that way. So, um, you know, if there happens to be anybody that's listening, that's there, you know, come up and say hello and let us know you listen to the podcast or something. It'd be cool to hear from you. So, um, Hope to see any of you there that happen to be there. I know that's going to be a lot of fun. It's obviously Tim's first time coming out, and it's going to be fun getting to, uh, you know, geek out about Star Wars in person and host these panels. So that'll be a good time. Um, and then I'll probably record those, and we might put those out as episodes over the course of June. But um, obviously, now that we got Paul back and, you know, we got a lot of other Star Wars stuff going on, you know, there's going to be plenty to come back and talk about as well. 
Um, especially because, I mean, Paul, you were gone for so much of, uh, you know, the discussion on Mando uh, season three and some of those last episodes of Bad Batch. So at some point I want to get back and do like sort of a, a Mando season three, like sort of retrospective episode. And then also one for Bad Batch season two. Um, and then we're going to be getting into Ahsoka and getting ready for that show. So um, stay tuned. We've obviously got a lot more awesome Star Wars stuff to talk about coming throughout the, the summer and the rest of the year. So uh, we're looking forward to it. But um, thank you guys, as always, for tuning in. Uh, we will see you next time. And may the Force be with you. See you next time, everybody. Gatsby Rebels! <laughs> <laughs>